Welcome to episode 194 of the F-Reality Podcast, the fortnightly podcast for all your VR gaming needs. We've got an interesting show lined up for you today as we meet and talk with the creator of the VR indie smash hit, Gorilla Tag. I give you my hands-on impressions of Hitman 3 VR, which just released on PC. We discuss all the juicy specs of the upcoming PlayStation VR 2. And to round up the show, Nathy has got some new releases coming soon to keep your beady little eyes on. But first, let me introduce you to the team and find out their highlights from the past few weeks. And also, if you've got any highlights you want to share, chuck them in the chat and we can read out some of those too. So... First up, this guy has been deep diving in VR for so long, he doesn't know what's real anymore. It's our favorite Frisian. It's, of course, Nathy. How you doing, dude? You all right? I'm doing all right. It, it, I don't know about you guys, but it feels like this this show has, like the last time the show aired was like, like 10 years ago. <laughs> well, I, I suppose we should explain because we did a show at the very start of the year, rounding up everything from last year. But to get back into the rhythm of our usual cadence, we kind of had to either do one a week after or have a three-week break. So that's what we end up doing. Um, yeah, but we're back now, and it'll be back every two weeks from here on out. So cool. there you go. Yeah, yeah, so I honestly don't really have a highlight, but I did see, like, an interesting game that is going to come out, like, this summer, mm. and it's called The Last Clockwinder. Oh. And it, it's it's a very strange but interesting game where it's it's almost like a multiplayer but it's 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 you playing it so it's like you can so you do a certain move and then you can copy this move and and turn yourself into a clone that keeps doing this thing so that reminds me of that other vr yeah, game yeah yeah was it yeah. transpose yeah transpose yeah transpose so let's say i i'm trying to make a chair out of wood so 180 is you know chopping a tree and then I like rewind this natey and keeps chopping the tree, and then it falls down, and the next natey, you know, picks it up, and then like you keep copying stuff until you have a chain of like you doing all kinds of stuff until you have a whole like chain reaction, like like almost like a your own factory driven by you. Um, mm, so this nice. game is kind of using this, that same formula as you mentioned with transpose, um, and in this case, it's kind of strange where you have like this clockwork contraption in a tree that you have to. Uh, get working for some reason it's kind of a mystery what this game is going to be exactly all about but uh, if you like if you're tuning in on youtube right now and you see the video it's very cool it's very cool um so yeah it's something i saw and i wanted to just share i don't think a lot of people know about this mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's kind of cool uh, something unique something different you know a genre that hasn't been explored that much yeah, I have to say that the second that you said that there was going to be multiple Nathies, it actually physically <laughs> yeah, I, made me shake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the idea of more of you is, is terrifying. <laughs> well, yeah, it could be it could, could be like multiple rowdies or, you know, uh, everything is possible. But I think it's kind of like, yeah, nice to have something like this return again. And it also has like a cool art style. So, yeah, um, yeah looking forward to this. And it's coming like to Steam. It's coming to... Uh, Quest. I don't know if it's gonna come to PlayStation. Well, I mean, if the VR, like PlayStation VR two, comes out this year, then I'm sure it's gonna drop on that as well. Um, but yeah, you, like if you if you're interested in like a puzzler that is uh, yeah something else, then uh, keep your eyes open. Nice, nice, nice. Interesting little share there. Thank you very much for that. But uh, glad to have you on the show as always. Uh, next up. After weeks of training at the Jim Barnaby School of Streaming, <laughs> this guy is the new pilot of this fine vessel of a podcast, guiding its way through the murky waters of the internet. It's the one and only 
rowdy guy. How you doing, dude? How's it feel being the, at the helm of this this show? It's it's quite stressful to do this, you know, <laughs> first time with uh, Zim in my in my home country now. Uh, yeah. it's uh, yeah, can, uh, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, he, he did a good job at like transferring everything to me. Uh, I might still like screw up here and there once in a while, so please. Don't shoot me if that happens, uh, or do. I mean, doesn't really matter. But um, Zim will be back in due time, and he will be taking the helm back. But for the time being, it will be me. I have the power. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Too much power. Yeah. Any highlights so, uh, from the past few weeks? Yeah, so I, I only got back to Canada on uh, Monday, and mm. I haven't been able to, to to do much VR. I've done like the, the general things a little bit uh, to get myself back into it. Uh, I have noticed though that since I'm back in Canada and I've never experienced this before, that I have, <laughs> it sounds really weird, but I have an enormous amount of, of static electricity constantly. <laughs> You're statically I have charged. It so, I, I have it so much. I have it so much that yesterday, I have like, you know, like a metal frame keyboard, you know, yeah. like a metal frame keyboard. But yesterday when I touched my keyboard, I saw a spark flying <laughs> from my finger into the keyboard and it restarted. I've never had that happen before. Wow. <laughs> wow. But yeah, that's if you uh, wanted it to restart, I'm, it's very convenient. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh, you, know, you guys are all playing around on your VR and pretending you have superpowers and I uh. actually am getting superpowers. So uh, yeah, pretty awesome. I, I would just say it's your electric personality, Rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so charming. Thank you. Thank you. Like, Thank like you. Rowdy, Rowdy yeah. can like, like wear a quest on his hat forever because he charges it with his own head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been a bit anxious, like putting like an, an expensive headset on my head because I'm so, I'm so, so electric. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. By the way, if you if you notice any anything weird about the stream audio or anything else, uh, just let us know in the chat, and you know, yeah, we'll, we'll know if we need to fix anything. But I think everything's running smoothly so far. So yeah, nice job, dude. Uh, but now it's time to welcome our special guest for the show. Uh, it's Kerastel, uh, aka Lemming, aka the creator of Gorilla Tag. Uh, welcome to the show, mate. Um, looking forward to having a chat with you uh, about the creation of Gorilla Tag a little bit later on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a chatterbox. So once I get set off on a topic, you know, I got a lot to say. So yeah, I'm looking forward to having the conversation. I think Three hours show incoming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we always ask our guests as well, like uh, any highlights from the past few weeks, any other VR games you've been playing uh, that you you quite like at the moment, or anything that's caught your eye that's coming soon. Uh, not VR specifically, but, um, I only got to play the DLC for Outer Wilds, um, within the past few weeks, uh, Echoes of the Eye. Really, really great stuff. Um, ah, I'm nice. actually probably going to be bringing up Outer Wilds later in some of our other conversations. So figured it was, yeah, that'd be interesting. I think yeah. there's a VR mod for Outer, Outer Wilds as well. I don't know if you tried that. I haven't actually tried that one. Um, I've just, yeah. I've kind of, you know dealt with so many uh pc vr issues for so long that like you just you know, want to chill kind of, i'm kind of every time i think about starting it up again you know flashback yeah. to to the four rift sensor setups and the usb <laughs> sound going off over and over so yeah that, that's fair enough that's fair enough but yeah i've heard the outer world uh, vr mod is very good if you're interested um but yeah looking forward to getting into it uh, with you a little bit later on um like uh, rowdy mentioned zim is obviously away he's not with us uh, at the moment uh, his last show was the last one with us uh he's moved from scotland to canada now with his whole family where he's kind of like starting a, a, 
a new part of his job over there. But from from what I understand, I caught up with him on after the fall the other evening, and uh, they all seem to be settling in quite nicely. So uh, yeah, he'll be back uh, soon enough. But uh, once he's got fully settled uh, over in Canada, how far is he away from you, by the way, Rowdy? It's about uh, I would say a six to eight hour drive somewhere in between. Wow! That. <laughs> wow! Oh, okay, yeah. I thought it was just like down the road now. Well, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's by that's by train. It's like I, I would say four to six. Yeah, four to six. Wow, he's so close. Still, Imagine, yeah. like, how does it feel that Zim is now so close to you? Can you feel his energy? That's why oh, he's electrically that, that's, charged. That's why I'm so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's where this energy is coming from. Yeah. It's a warning. It's, it's pol- well. Polar opposites that are coming <laughs> yeah. closer together. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. happens when the F reality crews. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Mike, uh, host of the show. Uh, my highlight is is. Hitman 3, uh, despite all its jankiness, I did have a lot of fun with it. Uh, but we'll be sort of getting into that a little bit more later on in the show um, with some some other thoughts because it's, it's not it's not great, um, but you can have fun with games that aren't great. So that's that's my highlight. But I'll talk more about it later. Uh, but before we get into all the juicy stuff, uh, maybe we should thank uh, the first sponsor of today's show, uh, and that's our friends over at Resolution Games uh, with Demio. So if you've not heard of Demio before, it's a fantastic turn-based tabletop co-op dungeon crawler where four players can gather together and venture out on a handful of challenging adventures. Kind of think Dungeons and Dragons in VR and you're on the right track. Their latest expansion to the game uh, released just before Christmas called The Roots of Evil, which includes a brand new adventure and a new character, uh, the Bard. And Resolution Games, they have tons of content lined up for Demio this year, including uh, a social player hangout which is uh, coming in February, a flat PC version, which is dropping in April. And alongside that, they also have an upcoming PvP mode, which uh, is pretty cool. So like players can actually fight other players. And then you've got two new adventures dropping throughout 2022. Uh, So tons of content there to play. Uh, The game is available now on Quest, Rift and Steam with cross-play support. And we've added links to Demio for Quest and Steam in the description down below. Yeah. So thanks to Resolution Games for sponsoring the show. Let's read out what uh, some of the chat have been up to then. Any highlights from them? Anything that kind of stood out from the chat? Yeah, so we we have Mr. Panda06, who had his birthday <laughs> on Wednesday. Oh, happy he's, birthday, and, Mr. Panda. And, yeah, and, and he's been playing Population 1. Maybe, maybe that's the game he got on his birthday. I don't know, it didn't say, but maybe. I mean, birthdays and Population 1 could be, a, you know, a thing. Um, and then we have uh, Jack Jones, who has been playing Lone Echo 2 with virtual desktop the forgotten triple a game of uh last year the best one of the year mm-hmm. how, how, uh, which one how was it called lone lone echo 2 oh okay lone echo 2 i, th- I thought uh, i thought you meant like a board game i was like wait what I, I <laughs> okay is that okay i'm i'm a bit confused i'm sorry um let's let's move on to uh, to what uk who has been playing hitman uh, 3 well he mm-hmm. says it's a little janky but okay We'll we'll see what Mike says about this, you know, our expert of today, our Hitman expert. And then... I've got uh, the look for it, right? You do? I I should be a Hitman expert. Yeah, like, 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 funny enough, I saw someone who played uh, Hitman and who actually took you out. No, 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 someone was playing as Hitman, but then it was a guy, an NPC that looks actually even more than Mike, (laughs) than than Hitman himself. Imagine that. So, so yeah, you and can he, actually, uh, let's be honest, Mike. He did look like you. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he did. And you can find this character. So the, the thing is, if you go to the like the tutorial level, where there's like a wooden boat and like it's all set up 
like fake in a, in I don't know where it is, but basically the first NPC that you encounter, <laughs> first one. it looks like me. Yeah, <laughs> everyone just posts videos saying they're killing me. It's, so yeah, it's, thanks. It's, it's, thanks it's for so that. funny. It's so funny. Uh, but he also he has it. also been playing No Man's Sky, so you're safe. Yeah. you know nice. sometimes. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, that that's uh, that's uh, what people have been playing. Cool. Yeah, great. Awesome. Great. So yeah, let's uh, kick off the show then. Um, obviously, we're going to be talking to Karistol, uh, also known as Lemming, the creator of the VR hit game Gorilla Tag. Uh, if you have any questions for Karistol, uh, drop them in the chat and we can read some of them out uh, during the discussion. Uh, but unless you've been living under a rock uh, and you've not heard of this game before, uh, it's, <laughs> it's an insanely fun VR game of, of, of basically tag. Uh, you, you, you play with other players online. The aim is super simple. You you run, you jump and hide using your, your body, your arms to swing around and bounce around the arena, using your gorilla skills to basically avoid being infected by other gorillas. And you've got to be the last gorilla standing. Uh, we have obviously all played this together as a team. We had an absolute blast with it. It's available for free on uh, both Steam and Quest. And it's just become this huge success. Um, you shared recently on Twitter that it hit over 2 million players uh, since its launch last year. So I thought maybe um, we could, before we get into Gorilla Tag, because we will get into that, maybe we should start about your journey into VR. Like, how did you get into VR in the first place, your first sort of experience with VR? Yeah, so, you know, I I think I started in the same place a lot of people did, you know, with the uh, DK2. Um, you know, I was following Oculus for a while, that finally came out, went in halfway with a roommate. And, you know, it was instantly, like, incredible, right? Like, everybody remembers the first time they put on the headset, like... I remember for me, I was, you know, like doing the play by play. I think I was doing the, um, what was the, the chair sight lines or something uh, where you, you know, you look back and forth, you know, I was giving everybody the play by play and they're like, yeah, dude, we can see it on the screen. Like, we know <laughs> you don't have to, <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, from there, um, really I, I got the Vive and the, uh, you know, the original Rift once they came out, um, Space yeah. Pirate Trainer was actually the first game that I really, you know, connected with that. You know, nice. around uh, dodging all the all the things you know being able to move in that room scale is really cool but then kind of the first thing that really like electrified me was echo arena and um you know i initially heard that it was coming out i hear oh there's this zero g game it's like oh that'll be cool to try like i don't really care about the sport aspect you know i'm not i never really cared about sports games really but i wanted to try that out and it was just so phenomenal that i was hooked like the the feeling of you know grabbing onto somebody and flinging off and zooming across the field like it's it it was basically unlike anything else so i got really super into that um uh, i played a bunch during the beta and i got pretty good i actually got invited to go out and um visit the ready at dawn offices there was a like a pre-beta event they had they also invited some you know traditional pro gamers um to to go and play there and there was a little event so that was ridiculously cool and yeah, then I just got kept getting deeper and deeper into it. They started hosting those um, esports events. You know, they had some um, local lands and stuff at like the Oculus Connect, and then they flew us out to to Europe, and like all that stuff went on. So you know, I got to be live the pro gamer life for a little while. I still have like the IEM badge that says uh, pro gamer on it. You know. So I'll definitely That's treasure awesome. that forever. I, 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 I love to annoy my girlfriend by telling her that she's dating a pro gamer. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so that was kind of like my my big... For, for me, for a long time, VR was basically Echo Arena. Like, as far as I'm concerned, that game has like everything that I think is incredible about VR in it. 
and that is kind of like it you know how people say like alex or whatever ruined vr for them echo arena ruined vr for me like years ago so you know now this is like let's say this is about like wow about three years ago now that's scary to think about maybe it was only two i have no i i've completely lost track of time <laughs> as i'm sure many other people have yeah. but um yeah, I was kind of just looking at the state of VR at that point, and it felt like things were getting a little stagnant. You know, this was before like Medal of Honor had come out, and that was like kind of the next big thing that had been announced. Um, I think that people were looking forward to Alex at the time and things, but I, I kind of just felt like I was looking at the state of things, and I just felt like we weren't moving forward that fast anymore. You know, for mm -hmm. a long time. VR was really about experimentation and trying new things out. And we were seeing things like, you know, Echo Arena. We had things like Unspoken. And then after a while, we were getting more to like, you know, a lot of, um, you know, people in saw Beat Saber was successful. So there were a ton of rhythm games and stuff. Nothing against rhythm games, but they're not really my thing. And I, I just felt like things were kind of slowing down. So I figured, you know, I'll try out making something myself, you know, just kind of um, yeah. give it a shot. And the first thing I experimented with was a gesture-based spellcasting game. So I was trying to make it so, like, you know, if you move your arms in a certain way, you cast a spell. And the thought behind it was that um, you would learn how to cast these spells. through There's, like, something that kind of helps guide you through the movements. And then once you've learned it, those helpers don't show up anymore, and it's up to you to remember, like, the, the path of it. And my idea was that this would kind of, like, mimic the path of, like, actually learning something yeah yeah and it's funny because you mentioned like the unspoken and that that had a yeah. similar concept right exactly did you kind of did you get into the unspoken as like a kind of like a pro player or was it was just echo arena your bag yeah i didn't get into unspoken as a really competitive player i got into it like multiplayer initially i was like close to the top i was actually at the top of the leaderboards at one point but this was way right. before they had any competitions or anything. And by the time those happened, like everybody would have smoked me. So I, I didn't really. I, I know that, uh, like, in terms of gesture base, I, I know that once, once VR was was another one where once, they do uh, yeah. we do uh, magic spells. It was a really good one as well. Had a very yeah. big competitive scene as well. Yeah, yeah. And maybe we should touch on the competitive scene um, as well because, like, obviously you got into Echo Arena. You was playing as a pro player, and and finally enough, the first time I'd ever heard of you, and I was I was telling you this before we started the show. I was at OC4, which was the first Oculus Connect I'd ever been to. Like, first time going to America on my own and, and going to like an event like this. And uh, I was having a coffee and a, a lady was there getting a coffee as well. And we ended up chatting. And then she's like, oh, yeah, my son's uh, playing as a, a pro, like, Echo Arena player. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And she was like, oh, yeah, it's Lemming. And I was like, oh, okay, I've never heard of this guy before. And it's funny because I said to, to Karistar, like, I've met your mum, but I've never met you before, <laughs> uh, which is super strange. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, she, she was just so, uh, like, yeah, proud for you to be involved in something that's, like, so unique, right? Um and it, what what was the name of the team that you was with uh, at the time back then? Uh, it was Eclipse because uh, Eclipse. Eclipse. Yeah. The LIP came from Lemming, Eyeshiny, Palador. We were the three three original players. That's awesome. Ah, and do you still nice. do you still speak to those guys? Do you still play now, or is that long gone? Uh, those guys are still pretty into the well. Eyeshiny when moved over to he's actually competing in Apex Legends now. He's on. Uh, should not forget the name of the team um but i forgot it so okay well, that's on <laughs> that's me good. um but yeah he's uh so he's doing that palador is still really into the the competitive um echo arena um scene uh, he helps out like commentating and uh helping with events and running all those things so yeah he's super into that still 
Um, we don't talk one-on-one -on -one that much anymore, but that's mostly just because I've kind of, you know, my focus has shifted to uh, yeah. working on a video game 24-7, so. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame, really, because, like, uh, back then, like, Oculus was so invested in eSports, right? And, and you know, OC4 and OC5, they had these huge stages, uh, mm -hmm. huge production, like, screens in the background, all the players, like, were on podiums, like, they were lit up. It, it, yeah. Like, the whole production looked phenomenal. Like, if, you, if you're interested in, like, VR eSports, you should Google some of those shows back then and check out what they did, because it really was amazing. But then after that, they kind of stopped investing in eSport VR eSports, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, we, I think a lot of us kind of knew that we were on borrowed time. You know, that was kind of like Oculus was was pushing something so hard they had no right to have that much emphasis and focus placed on it, right? Not that it didn't deserve it from a quality standpoint, because I think the game is, you know, Echo Arena onward. Competitively, I think they're great. But, you know, there just wasn't the, the pop, same population, right? Like, they were trying to show, hey, here's something uh, that can be legitimate. Like, VR can absolutely support these kinds of things. Um, there's not ready... Those kinds of events weren't really ready from a player population standpoint. So we kind of knew, like, we should enjoy this while it lasts because this is going to go away. Yeah. Um, so I think they did a great job kind of proving out, hey, you know, like five, ten years in the future, once VR is super popular, there will be mainstream events like this um, once it kind of takes off and the games can support it. They're they're deep enough. They're competitive enough. And um, they also look really cool. Like, yeah. you know, you can really tell that you're they watching some amazing VR game. Yeah. So it was really yeah. I, th I think they were just kind of proving out, hey, you know. Everybody who's paying attention to this and really kind of understands what's going on, they can they can see that this will be a real game, a real thing. right. Um, and and obviously you're do, you're doing this as a hobby at this point. Like uh, you know you're not you're not you're not gonna like quit your day job being a pro Echo Arena player. Um, yeah. what, what what were you doing at the time in terms of your your day job? I was a software developer for a company called Workday. They do like HR, finance, um, student software stuff. It's all very thrilling. Um, but, you know, I can't really speak negatively about it. It paid well. I was able to, you know, spend time on my hobbies and stuff. I wasn't stressed out all the time. You know, they weren't forcing us into crunch and stuff. So it yeah. put me in a place where I could basically spend my free time doing whatever I wanted. So, yeah, it was it was on the whole good. But um, cool. not... And, and then the how... how how did the uh, so so let's let's start talking about Gorilla Tag. So like, how did this this come about then? Like, um, you know, did you did you see like this void in the market and just think, yeah, there's there's space for like a crazy monkey parkour game? Like, yeah, what was so the rationale behind it? It's it's funny because it, it really happened kind of organically. Like, you know, I mentioned before, I was trying out that gesture based spellcasting thing, and like, mm. I was really struggling with getting it to work well. I had some things that kind of worked, and it was like, ah, oh, right, whatever. But then I was kind of thinking also that, you know, I want to be able to move through this world, right? Like, I don't want this to be like a teleporting thing or a stationary thing. So I want some kind of locomotion. And by that point, I had already started my vendetta against um, stick smooth locomotion. I had already kind of figured that, like, I really don't want to use this as a solution. You know, there are a lot of things about it that I don't like. Um, so I wanted to try and figure out something else. So then I naturally think about Echo Arena, right? Like, that's you know, that's what I've spent all my time doing. So that's where my mind goes to instantly. And I didn't want to have it be zero G because I don't think that kind of generalizes that well, but I knew I wanted to have something that involved your hands to move. So I kind of was thinking like, okay, well, what if you, you know, just kind of walk with your hands, right? Like you don't want to have to constantly be 
grabbing the surface every time. That works in Echo Arena because you grab the surface and you push off. But if you're taking every single step, you don't want to like grab every time you're taking a step. So I thought, you know, I'd try something out. And I just messed around with a little prototype and I got it working. And I was surprised I got it working because I didn't know how to use Unity that well. Um, but it, it just felt so cool. Like immediately it, it was just like, wow, like this is, this could be a real thing. Like, you know, just being able to see uh, a ledge and reach up and put your hand and push up on it and not need to like press the grab button, time it right, get the, the angle that you're pushing off, whatever. It just, you know, you, you start pushing and once you're moving away, uh, once you disconnect from the ground, you just leave it and take your next step. And you could even leave, immediately do like wall jumps and stuff. So that was super cool. So, you know, I kind of sat on that idea for a little bit and I didn't really know what to use it for because I had, this was like immediately so much better than spellcasting that I was like, okay, well, maybe I should just focus on this. Like if this is the really fun part, maybe I'll, I'll think about this harder. And then for a little while, I just kind of sat on it. Like, you know, I tried messing around with some movement stuff. I tried making, you know, like a challenge course and, you know, like a getting over it type thing where if you mess up, you fall to the bottom. And, you know, it was neat, but it wasn't anything that I felt was, like, really, really super engaging. Um, and I actually kind of thought about, well, what if I put tag in it? This is actually an idea that I, I looked up kind of, like, the history of that. And, you know, everybody was thinking about all the possibilities of the quest before it came out. And, you know, we were talking about, like, you know, what if you could just, like, play tag with each other in a field? Like, everybody's in their own field and you're just running around playing tag. Um, and then someone brought up like, you know, hey, you could do this in Echo Arena too. And then I was like, you know what, you could just play tag in Echo Arena. That could be pretty fun. And then that idea kind of sat in the back of my mind and uh, I came back up for this and then I put it together and like immediately seeing someone else being able for them to chase you or for you to chase them, it, it immediately felt like it gave you the exact same feeling you had when you were a kid on the playground. Like... It, it it was uncanny like and what i found out about that is that tag never actually stopped being fun it just became not plausible as an adult to play tag with anybody right like what you mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right i don't know how old you are but i can't now so like if i fall down you know half of my body's gonna break uh i'm immediately gonna just be covered in sweat so i can't do that in public um that wouldn't wouldn't be wouldn't be proper but yeah it was it was just amazing because it, it captured the feeling so well like I, I i really there's something primal i think about tag it's kind of cheating to make a tag game because that's like the game that literally every mammal plays right like there's something deep in our dna that is just like wants to chase things and wants to run away from things um so once i had that kind of like seed i just started building on it um, and what was really cool is that I shared this kind of like early pre-alpha whatever thing with some people from the Echo Arena community, and they all shared it with their friends, and they shared it with their friends, and all of a sudden I had this small community of people playing this this not even beta game that I made that was super janky, and uh, it was it was already like gaining a lot of a lot of steam. Like people were playing this without me bugging them. Hey, can you help me test this thing out? Like people would be organizing games and stuff and. And playing together so that was kind of like okay well i really got to take this seriously i think just because i think it's doing something that nobody else is really doing so kept working on it um at some point somebody brought it up that the locomotion seemed like kind of like how a gorilla moves and i really liked that phrasing because it's very evocative right like if you tell someone oh you know this game uses 
uh, stick locomotion, you kind of have to know the the lingo, right, to understand. Oh, that means that you're gonna grab the controller yeah, and yeah, point the correct. joystick in a direction. But gorilla is like, oh, you move like a gorilla, like you know, they walk with their hands, right? And it, it it's such a great like association <clears throat> for understanding kind of like the gist of it. You don't you don't need any further information. You totally just get it. Um, so I was actually a little bit initially resistant to making the characters actually gorillas, um, just because I can't remember the specifics of why, but I just didn't feel like it, you know? Um, I don't think I am an excessively serious guy, but, you know, I'm, I'm not, like, inherently super silly, I don't think. So, you know, eh, like, monkeys and gorillas, whatever, I'll just make <laughs> something else. But it, the name just stuck too well, you know? It was just too perfect. Um, yeah. So I started putting all that stuff together and then it kind of became gorilla tag and when i released it back in february a year ago now it was you know i didn't have any real expectations of like large success but my feeling about it was i think the game is just inherently super fun yeah i think it's doing something no other game is really doing and I think I've put a lot of ideas in there that I think haven't been explored enough in VR. So my hope was basically, if I put this out there, you know, maybe other bigger VR developers will kind of pay attention to it and be like, wow, this is super cool. Maybe we can think about this kind of locomotion in our game or something. And what I was really hoping for was like, I would have considered it a success if there was at least one room of people playing at any given time so that if you wanted to play, there would be people to play. That, that was kind of my benchmark. And then it just went insane from there. Like I have no real, uh, I have no real sense of like, you know, how these things usually go or how, you know, what expectations you should have because you know everybody says the first thing you make is going to be terrible. It's not going to be successful. Nobody's going to care about it. And it just exploded. Like I, I don't know how to explain it other than that. Um, you know, I, I haven't done any marketing. I haven't done any um, like promotion. It's not even on the Quest store. <laughs> I looked at the stats from the past month. You know, like Road to VR does those. You know, that compares the reviews, and Gorilla Tag has more than twice the number of reviews as the top free app in the Oculus Store. That's so crazy. Like, yeah, and so kind of what that says to me is that like there's there's something to it, right? Like it's not just uh, you know it's not just a meme. It's not just a joke. There's something about it that really appeals to people and engages them in a really deep and visceral way. Like there's something that makes you feel like you just want to be in that place. And it's not just, oh, I want to play tag, you know, because to be honest, I don't think anybody wants to play tag for forever. Right. Like I got bored of the game, like just to put it bluntly, um, I played it a lot at the beginning because I just thought it was super fun. And then I've played enough tag, so I don't need to play tag anymore. Um, so every time like I test out something or build something new, I, I only put in the stuff that I think is really awesome. Um, but there's something about it. And, you know, I, I guess this is kind of where the thoughts I have about VR, this is kind of like my putting my money where my mouth is, right? And what's interesting is I don't think I put any ideas into the game that I didn't get from Echo Arena. Um, mm. In my mind, Echo Arena is like the Rosetta Stone of VR. It's like, it's got everything in there. You just have to know how to decipher it. Um, and for me, the, the two biggest things about VR are the ways that you can be present in this, in this alternate world. So I think the word presence has gotten a little bit muddied because it used to mean 
your brain is literally tricked into thinking this is actually real and if you take a step off the building you'll literally die which only happens when you're first getting used to vr right but i think it's still really important for creating a world that doesn't constantly remind you it's fake um that doesn't constantly put menus in your face or floating icons above people's heads or have loading screens or all these things. If the world is built as kind of an internally consistent, um, plausible alternative reality, I think that's really powerful feeling. And that's something that you can only really get in VR. And the other thing is the social interaction. Like the level of social interaction you can have is second only to real life, right? Like video chat was kind of like People before it was popular, people were like, oh my God, it's going to be so cool because it's going to feel like you're in the same room as people. But it's it really doesn't. Like everybody knows that video chat is is a, barely a step above talking on the phone. I mean, at, at the most fundamental level, if you're talking to somebody directly, you can't even look them in the eye, right? So your brain is telling you that this person hates you because they won't even look you in the eye, right? <laughs> so there's something about it that there's that disconnect. Um, one of my favorite anecdotes actually about social VR is back in the Echo Arena times, you know, in the, in, in the beta before the game was released, uh, I got the chance to play with um, Dave a bunch, one of the developers um, um, who, who created it. And, you know, we played enough during the beta that when I got the chance to visit their offices and I saw him in person, I knew he was tall. He was like six foot six, six foot seven. I don't know. He's really tall. Um I looked at him and I was like, oh my God, you're so tall. And like, I felt kind of stupid because like I've seen tall people before, right? Like it's not <laughs> amazing. But I realized that I had the same feeling you have when you haven't seen a kid for a few years and they've grown up a bunch, right? Like right. you don't say, oh my God, look how big you've gotten because you're like surprised. Like, yeah, the kids mm -hmm. are going to grow. That's what they do. But it's because you have like this mental image of a person that doesn't match up with what you're seeing anymore. Right. Like if you mm. remember them as being three feet tall and they're six feet tall, you're like, oh, my God, what happened? And I, there's like some dissonance in your mind to try and match up the image of the person with their with what you're actually seeing. And I realized I got the same thing in VR, like all the, the Echo Arena robots are pretty short. They're like five foot six, five foot eight, something like that. Um, and he was really tall. So I realized that I had spent enough time with him in VR that my brain had created this mental image of him that it was so confident in that when I saw him in real life, it was flipping out that something was wrong. So that like, it sounds kind of silly, but at the same time, it's like, that's actually kind of insane. Like VR is so close to real life that your brain accepts it as reality. So like, that's the other thing that I think is super critical about VR is understanding kind of those social connection elements that you can form that you can't that you can't do in any other medium. So those were kind of the things that I focused on for Gorilla Tag, the, the social aspect, which is relatively more straightforward, but the groundedness and, and, and internal consistency of the world. And I think the movement really plays into that. You know, if you are looking at a hallway and you're playing with stick locomotion, you just kind of like stand there you know, straight up and you point your hand forward and you press the joystick forward and then your character slides through the world. There's a really disconnecting feeling there because the character is kind of moving in a very abstract way. You aren't directly moving and your character is moving. So your brain is already kind of like pushing them against the idea that this is this is real. You know, you can also do the thing in almost every game where you just like jitter back and forth, you know, you're, you're strafe dodging things and 
the world is just kind of shaking. Um, you know, you move your hand a tiny amount and the movement your character makes is, is radically different. And you compare it to something like the gorilla locomotion where every single movement you have to actually make and you, you have to be very intentional about where you're moving. Um, the way the environment is structured, you have a very deep connection to it because you are touching everything, right? Like if you see steps, you have to raise your hand and push it down, raise your hand, push it down. So the way you interact with steps is going to be different than the way you interact with a flat surface. If you're talking mm -hmm. about stick locomotion, it's the exact same. You'll just treat it and it'll become a ramp. Um, one interesting way I've thought of to kind of analyze how, how kind of engaged you are with the world is like, if you actually just take a video of someone playing a game and you don't have the reference footage of the actual game, with something like Gorilla Tag, you can actually kind of tell how they're moving, what the environment kind of looks like. Oh, you know, they just reached up, so there must have been a ledge or something. Or, you know, they turned around. Um, or they were kind of like grabbing something to climb it. Versus something like, um, you know, any stick locomotion game. Or even something like uh, Stride, which ha actually has some, some motion in it and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's a very interesting way to think about it because... You know, it you, you get such a stronger sense of how the player is interacting with the world. And I think the more just the more time you spend interacting with it directly, the the deeper that connection you have to that that space. So like when I think about why people continue to play Gorilla Tag, you know, I couldn't say for sure. Obviously, this is a large amount of speculation on my part, but I think that a big part of it is that they just want to exist in this place. You know, when you load up Gorilla Tag for the first time and you come in through the tutorial, um, it's just this cave and all you see is like there's a little arrow on the wall and th that's it. You know, there's no like little dude showing up to be like, hey, buddy, do you want to press the A button? You know, it's it's a very like quiet, like starting point where you're just kind of expected to to start learning. You know, you're like a baby and you're trying to figure out how to walk. Um, and, you know, there's no like... You didn't load up into a tutorial, you didn't load up into, um, you know, you didn't press the play button, you didn't change your settings first, you're just there. So you kind of start scrabbling and trying to figure out how to move. You get over this little initial hump, you venture into this outside place and you see the sky for the first time. There's a little thing that suggests maybe you can do some wall jumps, but if that's too hard, there's a little ramp you can go up to the side. And then once you get to this cliff, you look down and all of a sudden you're put into a multiplayer room. So like, yeah. you don't, you don't say I want to join a game mm. or whatever. You just dropped yeah. in and you're on this cliff looking down at people playing. And it gives you this sense that like, there's this world that's happening that you've kind of just been introduced to and you, you're peeking down and seeing what's going on. And then you can choose to jump down and start playing whatever you want. So the feeling that I wanted people to have there was that this is this is like an existing place that you're that you're now visiting, right? Like you came in through the it's cave. You know, part of, yeah. Yeah, and and now yeah. like the decision you make when you're engaging with the game is not, um, you know, I want to play tag. It's I want to visit this place. I want to exist in this place, and that's you know, I'm sure that's starting to sound pretty pretentious. Um, but I, I really truly believe that that is a huge part of why the game is successful. And I think that that's something that most other games don't really seem to get. Mm. And I say that I got this from Echo Arena because it was the exact same thing. When you start a multiplayer game, um, you know, they still do have the menus and stuff. So you press play, but you start in this little 
this little thing in this little pod and you pull this thing and then it lets you out into this room and you're in this lobby with other people and they're just doing whatever they're hanging out they're they're throwing the disc to each other they're punching each other in the brawler room and then when you want to play a match you have to float over to a podium and press the play button and then wait for the matchmaking to happen so like it's all very grounded in the space it it it's structured in a way where if you wanted to play, it felt more like you're visiting this lobby and then that's where you're going from there. And it's it, it's done so incredibly well. Like I love the terminals and all the buttons they have and like the way that you, you know, when you push into them, they react and they press it. It's so phenomenal. And what's interesting is that it, it doesn't feel necessarily super intentional like i don't think they set out to create something that kind of hit those beats necessarily um i think that you know they obviously did a great job but i think it feels more like a starcraft scenario right where there were a lot of things about starcraft that you know i guess this is this is boomer talk now but um uh <laughs> there are so many aspects to starcraft that weren't necessarily intentional but turned out to be really critical for the way all everything kind of fits together you know stuff like how if you have uh an overlord and 11 mutalisks they'll group up in a weird way so now the mutalisks can snipe you know the the towers from the terran player and it works out in such a perfect way that it just creates this amazing balance and counterplay that wasn't necessarily intended but if you kind of like really understand why it all worked together, you can get a pretty good understanding of what people find really compelling about it. So that's why so I say... Wait, wait. Oh, sorry, Are you no. a StarCraft player then as well? I used to be. I got to like... Uh, did, did you start playing that competitively? Uh, not not actually competitively. I just played with my friends okay. back in high school. But I was okay. like ranked D plus on Icy Cup, if that means anything to you. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... it's uh, you know, so in the same way, that's why I say that I think Echo Arena is kind of like the Rosetta Stone because like yeah. the ideas of moving yeah. through the environment physically, grabbing things, pushing off of them, <clears throat> you have such a strong connection to the space that way. The multiplayer is like, and the social elements are built into it mm. from the very bottom, like being able to look at someone and see what they're looking at and then go to that thing together, you know, even yeah. being able to just grab onto them and they can take you for the ride. It, yeah. it, it, it's so... It's such a powerful experience. And I think the proof has been that I think that with Gorilla Tag, I took all the things that I thought were best about it and kind of stripped away everything else. And and the, the game is really successful. I think as a result, I, I don't think it's a fluke. I don't think it's just me, me or a joke. You know, I think that these ideas that I, again, I did not come up with these on my own. I just saw what I thought was awesome about Echo Arena and put them into a different game. Uh, people are just really connecting with that. And yeah. I feel very strongly that if other, you know, VR developers kind of looked at these kinds of things and understood kind of what makes it work and used that learning and applied it to their own mm -hmm. things, I think VR, like, so much potential, like an yeah. insane amount of potential. So, so you're so. saying developers should play more games from other developers? or ones that are maybe kind of different than the the mainstream because like the the genre that mm -hmm. your game is in is something we we haven't seen that much throughout the years like you had um sprint factor and you had a, a few others where you really have to physically use your hands where nothing is like glued onto the service 
but <clears throat> I think most developers are playing games that are all about stick locomotion, aren't necessarily about the way you move in Gorilla Tag. So are you pretty much saying, like, look at different ways of, like, moving around? Because I think, like, most people, if you ask people, like, how do you move around in VR? Like, yeah, with the stick. Yeah, That's what I, think a lot of, I think a lot of developers still, like, you know, they, they go from the success formula that they know that works on a flat game, and then they take that and they go to VR and they say, oh, it must work here as well. But it's just, it's, it simply doesn't work. But I think That's uh, also why I have the frustration often with like yeah. the ports that happen so often from like mm. big titles where there's a lot of hype around that, but I don't always see them working as well just because it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not made for it. It's interesting because you're, you're, you're sort of, um, you know, insights into your, your mindset and when creating Gorilla Tag actually mirrors a lot of like the conversation that we had with Denny from Cloudhead Games when the yeah. consideration was going into creating Pistol Weapon around the movement of the player and how that's so important and they didn't want to do like a stick locomotion game so they come up with this formula of like, okay, you automatically move through the environment. So they come up with a different solution but the whole thought process sounds very similar, you know, conceptually um, from what you were saying. So this is like fascinating. So at this point in, in time, you know, uh, is this... Are you working on this on your own completely or have you got other people helping you with this or how is that? Uh, right now, my brother is helping out with the music. Um, so he's done, you know, you've heard some of the stuff in there already and then there's more coming. Um, but the rest of it, yeah, it's just me. Um, wow. I've Now that I have actual like money coming in because they finally enabled in-app purchases on the App Lab at the end of uh, November, um, you know, I need to start thinking more seriously about... Um, yeah ways of getting other people working on the game because I don't think it's I, I can't <laughs> but but right up until recently <laughs> you were completely doing it on your own yeah wow okay and, and at what point did you say to your job um yeah I, I quit by the way and I'm going to work <laughs> on this monkey game <laughs> like how, so how, did, how did that happen I actually took a sabbatical in July um and I'm technically still on that sabbatical just because you know I, I didn't know how things were going to work especially sure. because um um you know, the success of the game was, it, the game seemed successful, but it wasn't, I wasn't making money from it yet, right? In my mind, right. you know, anything that can go wrong, um, I'm worried about going wrong. You can misquote that a little bit. But I was worried about, you know, maybe people just lose interest. Um, maybe I make a change that makes everyone hate the game. You know, who knows? So, you know, now I need to think, you know, what am I going to be doing? You know, moving forward with all that stuff, you know, other people to work on you know, now that there's actually money coming in i need to you know consider all that stuff and deal yep. with everything but yeah i was still i was still working at my regular job up through july just because i mean a big part of it was just on app lab you couldn't if the game was free you couldn't sell anything and i didn't want to sell the actual game because you know I think most people look at it and see it as a joke, right? Like it doesn't, it seems very meany. It seems very silly. You know, um, I've had a bunch of people say it looks like it was made in like a weekend or something. I worked really hard on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it doesn't seem like that serious of a game. And, you know, my initial motivation for making it wasn't like, oh, I want to make a bunch of money. It was, I want to put my ideas about what I think is great about VR into this game. And I want to have as many people play it as possible with the hopes of kind of influencing other people. So I think yeah. keeping the game free is really important for that. Not just from a, like people trying it who might not have otherwise, but just from a, I want more people to play it standpoint. So yeah. 
Yeah. But I think I think as well, like being free, um, you know, like you say, people are more willing just to, oh, I'm just going to try this out and give it a go. And then, like you say, they get hooked on it and then all yeah. they, like, find, they find a community there and then they keep playing. I think it's super, super smart. And I, I wonder if that free-to-play model is something that other developers should really consider, um, you know, and, and then later monetize it with uh, cosmetic items like you have. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a smart move because we haven't really seen much of that in the VR space uh, so far. You know, we've had games like Rec Room, for example, also mm -hmm. super successful uh, using a similar model. So maybe it's something else for developers to consider. But one question yeah. I wanted to ask you was like, obviously the game is available on Steam and Quest. Um, you mentioned that it's like on App Lab right now. It's not on the main store. Um, so maybe you could talk about like the challenges of both of those platforms. Like was one easier to work with than the other or is like, is like, um, initially, did you did you think about going down the side quest route, uh, and then was it App Lab, and and now is the the goal to get onto the main store? Like, what's the plan from here? Yeah, so the game was originally released on side quest and Steam. Um, in terms of like actually building the game for it, I'm using uh, Unity XR, so it's pretty easy to just kind of like build for the different platforms. I have had to build in like specific um, platform features and stuff. Um, like for, you know, buying the DLC and, and in-app purchases and, and stuff. So as far as like the whole process goes, building for each platform isn't necessarily harder than any other platform. The huge advantage to Steam is the fact that I could just start doing it right away, right? Like needing, being stuck on App Labs, like not being able to sell anything, being in this weird limbo has been like a huge problem. Um, so that's the biggest thing to Steam is that, you know, I could just release it and the game was doing well and then I was able to create DLC for it and that paid for the servers for a long time. And um, yeah, so that, that was great. But as far as like um, the community and stuff, Steam is just so much smaller. Like it's just... I think that when people say things like PC VR is dead, they're kind of missing the point because PC VR is like bigger than it ever has been, right? Like it's constantly growing. There's constantly more stuff being made for it. You know, they're still, you know, making games that are selling more than other things in the past. Um, but it, it's it's just small, like, you know, um, it, it's just tiny in comparison to, to what has happened with Quest. Mm. And, you know, especially over the past year with the with the Quest 2. Um, but yeah, so it started on on side quest. Uh, you know, that's always annoying and fiddly to have to go through that that process. It eventually got accepted to App Labs. I was part of like the second or third wave, I think something like that of people. Cause I didn't, I didn't put it on there. Like the first, the first moment it was available. Um, App lab has side quest is fantastic for what it is, but it's a huge ask to have people like connect their headset to their computer and press update and all these other things. Like I was intentionally putting off updates at certain points because I didn't want to have people constantly taking their headset back and forth to update it. So app lab was super important for that. Um, you know, what's interesting is that I, I don't think App Lab represents like the state of where Oculus thinks things should be. I think they are still kind of figuring out how they want to run things and how they want their stores to be structured and all this stuff. Um, I think they're kind of learning along with everybody else. Like, I don't think it was in their best interest for in-app purchases to be delayed until the end of November, but I don't think they necessarily understood how important it was. Um, mm. Do you feel so, like you were a driving force for the the in-app purchases? Um, you know, maybe I'm not sure. It's it's hard to tell, and it's I also don't want to be like you know too like arrogant about like the impact and stuff I have. 
But I will say that all the interactions I've had with them um, are more or less on the level that other developers and stuff, you know, like I'm in the Oculus Start program and, you know, I'm not looking for any special treatment or anything. And they had, you know, they had talked about how they planned on having in-app purchases or whatever by the end of last year, and they did. Um, so, yeah, I know that someone asked Carmack a question along those lines um, um, during the last Facebook Connect. Yeah. Um, but I think it was coming anyway. Um, but yeah, again, I, I don't think it was like an intentional like timeline thing. I think that's just kind of how things shook out. Yeah. And maybe we should touch on that because you mentioned something about the servers. Like you were, you were obviously, because the game was free, um, you were doing all this work. You were hosting the servers. The game is getting super popular. The community is growing. You're going to have to increase the, the amount of servers that you're, you're supplying to, to, to host this game. And then you're like, okay, I, I, need, to, I need to make money from this because I, I can't sustain this, right? So like, can you give any insight into, into like uh, what, what that's like, you know, hiring servers or were you doing it locally? Were you having someone manage it? Like, how, how does that work? So I'm using uh, Photon for the in-game logic and PlayFab for the account authentication logic and stuff. And both of them scale up really well. So like Photon, I had, all I had to do was constantly go to the next level of, uh, you know, concurrent users. Um, but they've scaled up fantastically. So I have, I have no complaints about that. But in, yeah, in terms of the price, that, that was kind of the biggest thing is just, you know, every month the bill was getting bigger. And uh, the gap between what I was making from Steam and uh, paying in server costs was getting smaller and then eventually negative. I was actually in the wow. red um, at one point. Um, not too big of a deal for me. I had plenty of my own money saved up. But if I was like, you know, a recent graduate or, you know, was working a job that wasn't as, as you know, I'm very lucky to be in the position I'm in. So I had plenty of of my own personal money. I didn't want to be putting my own money into it. Sure. But at one point I, I, I had paid out more in servers than I had taken in from from selling the game. So that was that was a little bit sketchy. That's an important point to 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 bring up, I think, because I I think a lot of people still think, you know, like oh, you know, developers, you know, they they make so much money and you know you have in-app purchases but at the same time there's so many costs associated as well with keeping your game running and keeping it uh, up and, uh, and and i think for a lot of developers that's important to hear as well because i sometimes feel like there are developers out there who feel that they're not doing a good job just because you know they're 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 not earning anything with the with the product that they're delivering but sometimes it needs some time to grow and if you believe in a product and you know that you're going to succeed then sometimes you know, you need to push through. It's a risk, of course. It's always a risk, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's good to to mention that as well. Yeah, yeah but now, so now you've got like in-app purchases uh, enabled on uh, on App Lab. Obviously, the revenue is coming from that as well. So like now you're in a good position, I guess, um, to carry on. And like you say, you want to kind of maybe think about scaling up a team and like figuring out the direction of the game from here. But I think another thing that's been like super fascinating, like for me looking in as a creator as well on the creator side is that you've got this kind of like creator community like growing on YouTube as well that are like solely covering Gorilla Tag, like no other VR games. And they're like becoming super popular. You've got like uh, YouTubers like Apollo, was it J-Man Curly, VMT, Mosa, th these kind of guys, just Gorilla Tag. And they, they, yeah. they, they're growing like huge popularity and, and building this community themselves. That must be kind of crazy, right? Seeing this community uh, of creators uh, build on the back of something you've created, right? Yeah, it's 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 pretty surreal. You know, I'm I'm 
it's hard for me to know how I should be engaging with these things on some level because, <laughs> you know, anytime I run into a new situation, the only thing I can think of is like, dude, I made a silly game. Like, I'm not qualified to to understand what is actually going on here. Um, so, but yeah, it's been it's been really crazy to see, like, you know, uh, especially on TikTok. Actually, TikTok has had like, yeah, there's been a huge. I can imagine. Huge, like, I. I mean, I, I felt like I was too old for Snapchat. So, you know, let alone, I don't get TikTok <laughs> at all. Like, um, but the game has been really successful there. Like, I think that like, you know, it's it's actually kind of interesting because for my part, you know, I added stuff like, um, I added that third person camera where you're like, mm. looking, if you're playing yeah. on PC, you can see the character and stuff. And I thought that would be a much more engaging way of kind of, watching other people play the game because i feel like that gives you a much better sense of like how they're actually moving interaction interacting with the environment and all that stuff but still a ton of first person stuff so maybe i understood less than i thought um but yeah it's been really cool you know i i just it's really cool to see all these people so excited about this and like want to continue seeing more of it you know because like yeah i think that there are like two kinds of of creators um like the 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 personality creators and then the like the specific thingy creator right um like that specific thingy can be narrow or broad but like to have people focused exclusively on gorilla tag like you said is is yeah i mean it's nuts like i i i don't i don't know any way other to put it like it's just it's just <laughs> weird you know like yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know so so like at this point, you know, you've just gone past, what is it, 2 million players. Um, you know, what, what, what is the plan from, from here? You know, like, uh, are you considering other platforms like, you know, PlayStation, for example? Um, you know, like, how, how do you scale it from here? Obviously, you've got like uh, cosmetic items now. So like you can buy hats for your gorilla, right? Um, and then that sort of is a, is a way for players to support you and, and support the game and for it to continue growing. So like what, what are the plans, the future plans from here, if you can share any? Yeah. So my, my thought towards it are, um, you know, like one of the biggest things that I released recently was there's a new game mode I called hunt where, you know, every player gets a little, has a little thing on their, the back of their hand that says, you know, who their target is. And instead of tagging everybody, you're tagging, trying to track down that one specific person and tag them. And then once right. they're out, they can tag other people to slow them down, but, you know, they're out of the game until there are two people left because, you know, they're targeting each other and the simultaneous tags would be kind of dumb. But, you know, that's so that's the new game mode. And the reason I released it was because I feel like it added a different dimension to the game. You know, it's not just about tagging people. It's about, like, you're worried about who's chasing you down specifically. You know, you're trying to convince the uh, other people to to target you know the person who's chasing you and slow them down so that you can chase the other person better um but the gist is that i i feel like it added enough to the formula that it was worth including so my thought process towards things is i'm not trying to just like kind of create more stuff for the sake of it i want to create more stuff that i think adds to the experience in some significant way so one of the biggest things that i'm kind of working towards and I say kind of because I've been trying to get it done for a while and it's been a lot harder than I thought it would be, is that I'm trying to create like a larger lobby area. And when I say lobby, I mean like right now when you start, you're in this little tree and there are several different paths you can take to the different maps, but it's very cramped and constrained. 
So I want to kind of rework that so that it's this larger area that has like the individual maps and stuff as different places you can visit. And I'm hoping that'll allow me to kind of expand things in a few significant different ways. One of the biggest ones being that I want to add in better ways for people to find communities of players in the game. Like if you've ever, you know, if you've played, you know, more old school shooter type games, you know, the, the way those used to be set up was that there would be all these different, you know, maybe some official servers, but also a bunch of community run servers and they all have their own rule sets and their own players. And you would kind of like bounce around onto the different servers until you found the server that you would kind of consider home, right? Like that's the server that you would constantly join. You know, you might even wait for a spot to open up because those are kind of the people you wanted to play with. It wasn't always the specific people, but it was that group of people. It was like that friend group. Mm. Um, and right now with the way that games generally work is just like matchmaking and stuff, right? Like you play with people and you will literally never see any of those people ever again. Um, and that's kind of how Gorilla Tag still works, which is unfortunate. But I want to make it so that you could say, like, you know, if a bunch of people want to play mini games, you know, maybe you join the mini games lobby, and now you'll be matched with other people who have opted into that mini games thing. And now, you know, if you want to play like Sharks and Minnows or Ghosts in the Graveyard, which is a new thing, I don't know what any of these game modes are. This is just stuff people make on <laughs> their own. This is the best I've heard of this stuff. I yeah. need to check this stuff out. Uh, you know, Mall Rush, um, crates, statues, like. These so are these all are all like community-made games? Yeah, it's all just using wow. the infection game mode. And then they just like, you know, hey, you cheated. You're not allowed to do that. Like, you know, this guy's <laughs> all that kind of all that kind of behavior. Um, but right. I want to enable that more strongly. Like there's there's people kind of figured out a way to do that. Like if you want to create a private room, um, I just took the, the same thing that Walkabout Mini Golf did which is just, you just type in the name of the room you want to join. So if you want right. to join a private room with a friend, you would just join, you know, F reality, you know, five, five, three. And then if you join that one and everybody typed in that same room, then you would join the same room. So you don't need to bother with friend codes or adding your friends or doing anything like that. You just find a communal space to all join. So what people have been doing is stuff like they'll just join crates. And if that one's full, they'll join crates one or crates two or Sharks 1, Shark 2. So that you kind of get that sense of community um, just built within the tools that are already there. So yeah. I, I think that's super cool. And that's kind of the direction that I want to push things in. I want to try to figure out the way that people are trying to engage with the game in the world and figure out ways how to make those processes better and to enable the better connections that people want to have. You know, um, a lot of talk there's been about stuff like, oh, you know, there are too many, you know, young people playing. Like, I don't want to listen to a 13-year-old kid screaming at me, um, all these kinds of things. <laughs> but, you know, what's funny is that on the flip side is that, like, the 13-year-olds also generally don't want to play with 30-year-olds, right? Like, right. everybody wants to play with the kind of people that they want to group up with. Right now, the game doesn't have enough tools to let people kind of figure out how to do that on their own. Um, Could you base it on then, height or something like fun like that? Yeah, but then, you know, I don't want, like, you know, women tend to be shorter and right. you know, just shorter people in general might get screwed over. And, like, I'm not going to add something that says, hey, are you under 18? Here you go. You can play with under other under 18 people. Like, I'm not going to. Put, like, some kind of, like, algebra sum in there that you need to solve before you. <laughs> <laughs> IQ, yeah. IQ level. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Like, there, there's, you know, it's, it's a tough problem, you know, mm. like, it's. 
it, it's just really hard to actually do that. And I think that's part of the reason why it hasn't really been solved. Like, you know, there's no API for me to say like, hey, Oculus, how old is this user? Um, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It would, but everybody it, would hate that, right? Like, yeah, they would, would, people, yeah. <laughs> nobody would but actually. It, it, it would be an interesting thing to solve because if, if you look at like, you know, around Christmas, so many new people got a quest. Most of the social media pictures I saw were from kids. And now you suddenly see like, like six dudes playing poker every night. And then suddenly, like two kids join them, and they completely ruin their, you know, uh, nightly uh, moment. So it would be interesting to see how can you create a system that can kind of, you know, um, yeah, it's like it's like a matchmaking system in in like like mainstream games where I just join a game and I'm getting partnered up with people that are playing on the same kind of level as me, you know. Uh, but but it, then it's, then it's more it's personal. It's like something you could like implement. It's like like a banning system. Like that, for example, 60 or 70% of the lobby needs to agree with the ban or private matchmaking that you can just have private lobbies where you only have like custom invites, then you kind of solve that problem though. Because I mean, banning kids from games is not something that anyone wants uh, or, or should do. Or, or, or they get like they get like uh, branded with like a toxic T-shirt or something like that. A toxic hat. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. A shame hat. Yeah. So that's yeah. moderation is is really an interesting topic that I've spent a lot of time on. Um, I can imagine. So yeah, there's you know so the the way the game works is that um, you know on every map there's like a little scoreboard that lists out everybody who's playing. And you can look at their name and, and you know see what, what color they are and what their name is. And then you can also mute that player and you can report them. And when you report them, you can report them for hate speech, toxicity, or cheating. Um, and I intentionally made the system like way too easy to report people. I've had a bunch of people come into the Discord and be like, oh my god, I just accidentally like jumped on the board and reported somebody. Like, am I gonna get banned for like false reporting people and stuff? So it's like, no, calm down, you're not gonna get banned. It's fine. Um, but I, I kind of went the opposite way that a lot of games go, kind of intentionally. Like, I think in most games, it's kind of a pain in the ass to report people. Like, you have to, mm. like, find their name and select their name and then type in the reason and then, like, write a short thing and, like, maybe upload a video. Or even there's no built-in thing, you have to, like, send a separate email or whatever. All things that nobody will ever actually do. Um, so I made it really easy to just go up and report people. And I think that has paid off a lot because... Um, the, the people who are acting really egregiously, like, you know, they show up really fast, you know, they, if they're going to a bunch of different rooms and they're just screaming horrible things or harassing right. people or whatever, you know, people, it, it's pretty easy to just go to the board and say like, Hey, everybody, you know, report this guy or whatever. Mm. Um, so I've spent a good amount of time kind of like working on that system and tweaking it. And I think it is better than most other moderation systems in most other and I think it's because I'm not afraid to ban people. Mm. Um, I think a lot of developers are very squeamish about actually enforcing bans because I think they're more concerned about upsetting people, you know, in a lot of ways, reasonably. Like if someone pays 20 bucks for your game and you just ban them out of the blue, uh, they're going to be pretty yeah. pissed off. But when the game is free, it's a lot easier. Um, yeah. And I think it's really important because I also have an escalating ban system, right? Like that most people use, but my bans are pretty harsh. Like the first time that I ban you, it's probably going to be for about two weeks. Um, I think that a lot of games will start with like, oh, you know, six hour ban, 12 hour ban, 24 hour ban, 72 hour, da, 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 da. Um, but mine start relatively aggressive. And I do that for 
two big reasons. The first big reason is I think a lot of people who just want to like join up and don't actually care about their account and just want to like, you know, be horrible to everybody. They get banned two weeks. Wow, that's a long time. And then they never play again, right? Because it's so long that's effectively permanent for them. But then for other people who I think have a chance to like actually modulate their behavior, I think two weeks is actually long enough where they will be forced to think about why they were banned and like yeah. It's, it's enough that they don't want to get banned again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It's great. I think it's fantastic. And, and, and it, like, I, I think the, the thing in VR right now is, like, I always said this, like, uh, being a troll is an expensive hobby in VR. Like, in the mainstream scene, you have people with, like, these Intel Core Potato laptops, and they can start trolling everyone. But in VR, the chance that there is someone, like, toxic in a game is actually quite small. But if it, it does happen, and as you said, you don't enforce it, then people keep doing it, and toxicity is also something that can be contagious. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you actually get more trolls, you know. Yep. So I think I think it's a good system. Yeah, like like banning people for two weeks. Yeah, it's yeah, it's fair. It's fair. And there's another thing that works so well that like I think more people should do it is that I have a name filter, so you know if you want to enter an appropriate name, ah, you can. yeah. But I just yeah. ban them. Like, if you enter your name as the N-word, I don't, like, say, oh, you can't do that. Put in a different... I just ban them. Like, just two-week yeah. ban. Like, you shouldn't have done that. Like, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. the rules are right there, and you very clearly cannot do that. So, like, why am I going to make it so that they just keep entering names until they get one that goes through the filter? I just ban them immediately. And that caches so many people. And I think it yeah. sets a really great, like, standard of behavior and obviously, yeah. there's still a ton of toxicity. I'm not going to yeah. pretend that like I've single-handedly <laughs> solved it or anything. But well, I, I think do it's great. Think, yeah, I, I think it works pretty well. Like I, yeah. I think that um, you know, if you act out of line, you will get banned sooner or later. Um, sometimes later, you know, not everyone wants to report people. A lot of people just kind of deal with it or whatever. But sooner or later, I think you will get banned. And I, I think it really helps with kind of making sure that there's a standard of behavior. And, you know, like you said, it's contagious. And I, I think it's contagious in both directions. If you allow yeah. toxicity, people will become more toxic. But if you push away the toxicity and, and make people have a higher standard of behavior, I think that also spreads as well. Like if you are a new player and you were put in a room where everybody's, you know, having a good time and acting well and treating each other nicely, then you're more likely to do that when you run into new people. Absolutely. If you jump in and everybody's being horrible, then you'll be horrible to whoever comes next. I mean, yeah. that's why you you always see comments about people like saying like, "Oh, haven't you played a multiplayer game before? Don't you know they're all <laughs> toxic?" And it's like they don't have to be, right? Like, yeah, we can. I, I think it's so fascinating. Like, you know, you've obviously put a lot of thought into you know all the nuances of this game, and I think, like you say, a lot of people look at it and think, "Oh, this is really simple." Like, and I, I think you've kind of got this like minimalistic view but you but everything's very well thought out actually and i think that's the kind of magic behind it on the face of it it looks like this super simple game but there's actually a lot of thought and depth that goes behind all these decisions and i think you know what you've told us today is super fascinating and and like so with the with the future the plans for the future do you think it's likely that you know that this will ever be on like psvr for example obviously we're going to be talking about psvr 2 shortly uh, obviously now it's got like full motion controls and inside out tracking probably wasn't possible on current PSVR, but something like uh, PSVR two, is that something that you're considering in the future? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have it on as many platforms as possible. Um, the, the main consideration would just be like time and effort. Like, I don't know how difficult it is. I don't know how long it takes. 
Um, yeah. And that's the kind of thing that I'm going to be, you know, needing to work towards now that I have actual like big boy money. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's like, I've got no ideological reason not to. And practically, like if the game runs on a Quest 1, it's going to run just fine on a PSVR 2. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'd love to have it there. And it's just, it's just a matter of like the nuts and bolts of getting it actually on the platform. Um, yeah. So we've got some questions from the chat. Um, there was there was one question that says, "When are we going to get a, a realistic uh, texture pack? <laughs> when the game looks super realistic with ray tracing?" I don't think that's uh, ray something. Tracing. That... There, the the modding community is actually really, uh, really strong. There's like a Discord with like ninety thousand people in it. Um, oh if, if you find the Gorilla Tag modding Discord, I think that some people have created like high def. You know versions of the game and stuff so yeah look it up it might be there i'm not gonna make it <laughs> one <laughs> funny thing i did see was like this um super polished trailer that came out just recently have you seen this it was like yeah. it was maybe yes. like a week or two ago and it was, it was like in, yeah. really high-end graphics like still like blocky gorilla but yeah really like high resolution graphics you should check it out it's, it's super fun yeah have you, I, have you considered something the, like I'll that for like your your official trailer or something like that because right now it's like just game <laughs> capture right it's like you said you yeah. didn't put any money into marketing or anything like that so it's it all comes back to like you know there there's so many things that i would like to do but i need to figure out how to like have an actual business behind doing all these things because like right. yeah i mean like i i think that what i brought to the game was the ideas i put into it and you know like you said i, I put a ton of thought into basically everything i've done and then you know, I drew the thing on the, the $30, you know, tablet I got and, you know, trying to remember back to like the drawing classes I took in middle school. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I am limited by my my weak human body. Um, I need to get more human bodies working on the game. Um, I would love to do that. And I, I just kind of need to figure out how to get to that to that point. <laughs> Cool. I'd imagine like there's 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 no end of community members that are wanting to help you out though, right? So, uh, and I know like Beat Saber did super well, like hiring um, map editors from the community, and now they're like yeah. working with the official team. So I, I'm sure that's probably something you're looking into as well, right? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to find out like you know what. Yeah, I, it's 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 on my mind. Like my. Yeah. You know, this kind of comes back to one of my earlier points, which is just like, you know, I I built this game, but that doesn't give me any qualifications for like project management, <laughs> direction, or like all these things. So like, yeah, you know, I got to figure that stuff out, right? Like, yeah. Uh... <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think the whole process has been fascinating. Um, yeah. You know, it's been really insightful. And I'm sure like budding developers out there will probably get a lot out of it listening to you talk about like especially you know a lot of the thought that's gone into some of the decisions that you've made and uh, yeah we love the game we, we wish you all the best success and hopefully you know we get to chat to you again in more detail in the future and see where gorilla tag has evolved from there um yeah so thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about it i think it's been it's been really great yeah we'll, we'll, we'll send you the paycheck for all the broken furniture as well <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm sure that's happened but you know, i'm sure they've been having a blast so everyone who breaks something is like oh i hit my table five times and on the sixth <laughs> time it broke it's like <laughs> at least the game was free though so yeah, <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you ever have you ever tried to play a gorilla tech in like room scale in like a big like warehouse or something I have, tried that? I have my little pad and I don't step off it or I will hit stuff. No, I'm too yeah. afraid to move. Like, but. 
but yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And um, yeah, it was, it was really fun to talk about this stuff. Uh, yeah, of course. And, and also like, yeah, feel free to chime in, to, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to get your insights into the other topics that we talk about f uh, throughout the show today as well. And if you've got any additional questions, um, put them in the chat and we can sort of also uh, add them at the end of the show. So if you guys can keep an eye on that, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, let's talk about like uh, Hitman 3 then, because um, as we know, Hitman 3 launched last year. Um, and then with the, the release last year, they launched a VR mode with the game that was exclusive to the PlayStation VR, right? Uh, I think we all played it back then, right? Am I right in thinking No, that? I, didn't, I didn't play it. You didn't play it back then? And you haven't no. played it now, I take it? Either. No, now I'm not, definitely I'm not going to play it. I'm going okay. to wait it out. Okay, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a PSVR exclusive, um, and you know it, it had its moments. It was fun, uh, but was uh, of course limited by the PSVR tech. You know, you you couldn't turn around in your play space. As soon as you turned around, there was like a message that popped up saying you need to face the camera because uh, yeah. otherwise the tracking would go all wonky. Um, it, they didn't implement the move controllers either. You could only use the DS4, so you. Were, but it was tracked, right? Yeah, it was tracked, so you yeah. could melee people, you could punch yeah. people, but it was just using the, the, the dual shock, which was kind of yeah. rudimentary. Um, but, you know, for, for what it was, it was kind of fun. You know, it was kind of fun. So, uh, obviously, I played it back then. I, I enjoyed it. I, I said in my review back then, you know, I was looking forward to the game eventually coming to PC. Well, that eventually happened, uh, and it, it happened this week. You know, the, the game was released on Steam. Previously, I think it was exclusive to the, uh, what was it, Epic Game Store. Yeah. So they, they, they released it on Steam with their year two update, and within that year two update was the, the VR mode for PC VR. So you could play it uh, on Quest, uh, connected to a PC using Airlink or, you know, uh, Oculus Link. You could play it on... Uh, Index, Vive, you could you could use Vive controllers, but they, they didn't necessarily recommend it. They didn't say it would be the best experience, but they did kind of say it was supported. <laughs> the only group of headsets that wasn't supported was uh, Windows Mixed Reality. Um, they specifically said the HP Reverb G2, if, in fact, on their website, but I would imagine that means the whole Windows Mixed Reality platform is kind of out the window. And I'm not even sure as to why or what happens if you try and use that headset yet, but that's okay. what they said. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was kind of uh, excited, you know. Of course, you know, being you're 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 a big fan as well of this franchise. I, like, I, I, I like, right? yeah, it's like, a really cool series. I, it's I a, agree it, with yeah. you. Yeah, it's a really cool series. And and the thing is, like, after I played it in VR on PSVR, I actually carried on playing the game flat on on PlayStation uh, because I enjoyed it so much. And, and I, we all know that, like, you know, anything stealthy in VR is like twice as cool, right? Yeah, you, when you you play like for example like the Alien Isolation mod, that's one of the worst VR horror games. You have like Phantom Covert Ops. You know you have like games where you need to be stealthy. I, I don't know what it is, but like I I, I start giggling immediately. Oh, like, I, I, it's I hilarious. Think, I, I think I think the main thing here is is that uh, it, it lends it like VR lends itself so well to kind of role play as. Like yeah. you just dress up as something in this world, and you're like, I'm, I'm actually gonna act like I am this person now. Yeah, I think yeah. Hitman is like the perfect example of exactly. how you do that. I think with the PlayStation VR version, it had a lot of jank to it, but I think that yeah. could be, you know, you, you kind of gave it a little leeway. You gave it a pass because the, the hardware was yeah. limited, uh, and we were kind of hoping for this kind of unlocked, you know, um, full uh, independent motion control game on PC. And so when uh, IO Interactive announced that it was coming to PC, we were like. 
admit, you know, we all got pretty excited by it, including myself. So yeah. uh, obviously as soon as it dropped, um, I, got, I, I bought the game. Then they actually gave me access to the game uh, with, a, with a Steam key. But either way, you know, uh, I'll, I'll tell it how it is. Um, but essentially, I think there were, there were high hopes that you would be able to, you know, um, really interact with the world in a better way using the, the motion controllers. But from from what it seems is that it's kind of more of a port of the PSVR version and the DualShock controls that have kind of just been adapted to motion controls. Although, although like the the first like signs we saw of the PSVR version kind of hinted towards like full VR support from the videos they showed. Yeah, you don't really have that because the thing is, you, your left hand is mostly redundant. Like you can't interact with the world with your left hand. Um, Some so assassin, if, right? Uh, yeah, and, and and you know like. Like Buck, uh, who's a you know a fan of the show, he he's a left-handed player, so that that's awful for him. You know he can't he can't and interact. If you with play his... with your right one, then you're not using your left one, so you're basically always playing with one hand. Well, you have to play with one hand pretty much. Like there are yeah, button but pushes. Why, why are you not using two hands? Well, I mean, that, that, that's a very good has question. two hands, right? Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's just as like, I know. We, we all know that's too hard to develop two hands in a VR game. But right. yeah, so, so I, I don't <laughs> okay. know why they went down this route. Obviously, like you know, just adapting it from the PSVR version that they've already created is what they did. They didn't. They, it seems like they didn't really invest more time or money to really make it what it could have been. You know, mm. and and the potential there. And that's the thing with this game because it's such a huge game. Like even Hitman Three on its own is a pretty big game. When you also add in the fact that you can play the original Hitman and Hitman Two in virtual reality as well, there is a ton of content there. And I think mm. that's why everyone got excited because they're like, oh, okay, we've got this game that's like a fully fledged game. We can spend hours and hours in this world that they've created. And some of these worlds are beautiful. You know, you've got like uh, a racetrack with a with a beach. You've got like these, um, you know, mansions in, 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 the, in the moors in England. You've got, you know, Dubai awesome. skyscraper, beautiful environment. So it's pretty exciting. But when you actually play it and you get into the shoes of Agent 47, you feel like super limited with what you can do because every interaction with the world is like a, a button push. So, you know, you've got like a terminal there with a big button on it and you instinctively as a VR player, you just want to press the button, right? Yeah. But no, you can't do that. You have to press B on the gamepad uh, on your controller. Same with picking up items. You know, it's uh, you use the green. I mean, it's it's not like I I know what you mean. Like, uh, remember, like the, the Fallout port where mm -hmm. it was kind of the same thing. It wasn't necessarily annoying, but just not even trying to like make it feel like you're pressing the button. Like, yeah, I, I get it. Like, you want to press the button, but if there's a like some kind of middle ground where you can still kind of feel like, but here, yeah, I, I've seen your gameplay. I mean, it, it's yeah, it's very, it's a very strange. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, can you can you call this VR? That's what I wonder. Well, it, is it, this it, VR? It is, and it's nice. It's nice being in the world because the world yeah, okay, is super okay, detailed okay. and it's fleshed out with NPCs that are but all doing like, their own thing. But it's like it's like like it's like like pancake meets VR. Yeah, but it just doesn't. It doesn't. It, it's not a nice marriage. It's not something. a nice marriage, no. Because like oh. you, you know, you can't physically crouch. Mm. You have to push the thumbstick in. Okay, um, well. There's no manual weapon reloading. You know, that's all done automatically. You can't even open a door. Um, you know, by just pushing it open, you have to push a button. Um, and this also relates to in interactions with with enemies. You know, when you want to take down an enemy. Um, the collision detection is kind of off, so well, you could be yeah, like, I've, I've seen that. Yeah, you could be stabbing them and uh, <laughs> and, and nothing happening, and they yeah. just like stand there like as if nothing's happening. But you know what they don't tell you is that you actually have to prime 
the weapon. So as well as holding the grip button, you have to hold the trigger to make it interact with them as an enemy. But as a VR player, you're just not used to that because your your natural instinct is to just pick up a, an item with a grip button and just start using it as a, as a weapon. So everything just kind of feels off. And, you know, like, like uh, Keristol has said, you know, there's a lot of thought and, um, you know, uh, research that went into some of the decisions mm. he made. And this this doesn't feel like that's the case. It hasn't been carried over into VR with the same love and attention that it should have done from the developers. And whether that's just because the developers are relatively new to the world of VR and they don't necessarily understand the implications of some of these poor decisions, I don't know. But, um, but the thing is, like, what, what, like I, I was talking about, like, Fallout, because if this came out four years ago... It would have been a I different think story. People, people yeah. would have been like, oh, it's fine, but, like, we're now at the point this is not acceptable anymore. Yeah, you can't you can't pull this. You can't sell this to people anymore. And I, I think that's why a lot of people are so upset about it because, like, you know, it's such a huge franchise, uh, and that it's the kind of game that would attract someone to VR. Like, if you're a fan of Hitman and you're like, oh, I can play this in VR now. Like, I can actually be Agent Forty Seven. That sounds epic. I'm gonna go and buy myself a you know a VR headset to connect to my PC and play this. And they play it for the first time. They're like, this is like VR. This is what everyone's been raving about. This is like awful. Like, this is terrible. I'm never gonna play this yeah. again. Um, and, and that's the thing, like the, this VR mode is more of a, a gimmick than it is like a, a, a way to play the game. Like I wouldn't want to play the game this way as much as I'm a fan of the series. Like you don't feel like you're an assassin when you play the game in VR. You know, you don't have the, the, the skills there. You, yeah, but, it, but it, it, it is like the thing that, that I've been like thinking about is like it is concerning to see that AAA studios think that they can just use VR this way. And just kind of quickly use it like, okay, we have a big update coming, and you can now play it in VR. And they see this as like, okay, now it's VR. As I said, like this is not, mm. th this is not acceptable VR. But I'm sure there are more studios who think like, oh, you know, next game, yeah, let's just put some. This this is not. I, I think we've know? got we've we've got examples of dev studios that have done it incredibly well. No Man's Sky is a great example of that. You know okay. where yeah. you know they never really had any previous history with VR, um, and yet they made one of the best you know pancake to VR modes anyone's ever created. Um, and I think as well, like it's also understanding VR and, and the power of it and 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 what makes VR feel good. None of that is in that this game, um, which is a real shame. And I think that's why everyone's so disappointed and everyone's kind of like hating on it so much. But with interactions aside, the game also doesn't look particularly good. And I don't know if it's because of the way they've implemented VR into the game, because you've got to understand whether you own the game on Steam or Epic Game Store or Microsoft Store or even with PC, like Xbox Game Pass, you can play it in VR doesn't necessarily use steam vr as like the kind of um platform yeah. to implement the vr they've kind of like done it themselves in a weird way but it also means that you you are very limited with what you can do in terms of adjustment like bearing in mind i'm running like an rtx 3090 i cranked everything up to max and it looked like just super blurry like super yeah, blurry there's this copy paste from playstation and then yeah give it to you on pc it felt like that way it felt like i was playing the psvr version but just with a pc vr headset even to the point where you had this kind of real weird artificial screen door effect at times you notice it more when you look at the sky which is really weird but it's stuff like that that are in there and you you, you just walk away from the whole experience kind of disappointed so yeah. ultimately what i said was that you know if, if you're desperate to play um, Hitman 3 in VR is to try out the Xbox Game Pass version because then you're not 
having to spend like what is it 50 bucks on steam or epic games you can just pay you know like the the subscription and and also you get access to all hitman games one two and three so you can try the uh the original games in vr as well but I, i've just got the feeling that people will try it as like a kind of a gimmick to feel what it feels like and then they'll be like okay that's fun i've i understand well, it i'm gonna go back the, to the playing problem this is flat just, mode. just like 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 lemming said before again like it's it's that idea of presence you know, if you don't feel like you are Hitman, then it's not a Hitman game. Yeah. It's not a Hitman VR game, at least. Like, the, 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 the core thing about, like, I would far, far prefer that they would limit the amount of interactions that you have, but then the interactions that are there need to be really, really well done. You know, mm. if you, if you like, I saw the garroting, you, you were able to do that, but then polish that up so that it really feels like you're garroting someone. That sounds a bit weird, but okay. <laughs> Like do those kind of things, opening a, a door. Like if you can't open up a door in a VR game, then find a way not to have any doors or something like that. But don't like make it a button push. <laughs> yeah. Like just make it all like hallways where you walk through. You don't need to open yeah. any doors or whatever. But, no, but uh, these are like core concepts that you expect from a AAA developer to implement into a into a any kind of game and just yeah. like going the the lazy route of like oh let's push a button to poison the pills and let's push a button to open the door then don't put it in there don't put it but, in there because the, the, it, it makes it worse the surprising part is like a lot of people pre-order games i always say pre-ordering is a crime don't pre-order games bad idea okay <laughs> it's been a bad idea for years now and and the whole triple a vr like scene in general is kind of tricky like like indies okay i get it but um the thing was like i've seen people pre-order it they played it and then there are still vr players out there who say like yeah but it's not so bad i mean yeah i can't play with my you know my one hand i'm like well where are the standards <laughs> and then and then you see people like mike saying yeah you know maybe don't spend your money on this and there's still people who's like yeah this man is crazy He's told complete nonsense. I'm like, where, where's this, where, where, where's the standard? Like, I think with Resident Evil 4 VR, we've kind of reached a point where we're like, okay, you know, the the combat scenes shouldn't have been in third person. That's the only thing that was really bad about it. But the rest is fine. It's an acceptable part. You can use your hands to grab a lever and and move some things around. It does feel arcadey, but it's yeah. it's 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 a nice middle ground where okay, you know, it does feel like VR. It doesn't really feel like VR. It's in the middle. But with this one, yeah, it's a weird mix. But as I said, I'm so concerned about that these studios think that this is like a way to sell VR and just launch with this. I think that's the, the the disappointing thing because they've had a year between the PSVR release and the PC release. They could have done so much. And like, you know, Rowdy gave the example of garroting someone. And I actually said during my gameplay, like, how cool would it be to like, when you garrot someone in VR, that you feel their heartbeat in the controllers and then it slowly ebbs away as you like kind of, you know, you carry on. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of sick, right? A bit psychotic. You end up thought. in something lemming. <laughs> but it, but but it's it's little like nuances yeah, yeah. like that, little interactions like that that make a big difference, you know. And if the thought had gone behind these interactions and how they feel as a VR player, you know, they they could have had something really magical. And I think as well, having seen so much good stuff come out of like the VR modding community over the last year. You know, some mods have been fantastic, you know, like the Resident Evil 2 VR mods and like the Risk of Rain mods, Outer Wilds, like we mentioned earlier. Like, yeah. it seems like these modders are kind of understanding. And it's, I think it's because a bit like uh, Kerastol said with uh, Gorilla Tag, they're fans of VR. They're fans they're of VR in the first place. They're players. They want, they want to experience what it's like in VR. 
um, and, and the passion translates over. Whereas yeah, and they and they do research because I think research is the core problem here, where these guys who worked on it have maybe never played like a VR game before, or the person who actually is on top who says like, okay, we're gonna turn this into a VR mode now, has never played VR before. Um, but I, I just find it very shocking because these are big studios. They're staples in the in the gaming scene. Yeah. And this is how they look at VR. And I think uh, what we're still at me. a point where VR is not being taken serious. That you, you, mm. you can be kind of you know saying that at this point. I think what worries me now is that it's unlikely that although they've put out a patch, I think it was like uh, yesterday. Yeah, they, yeah, they made, to, yeah, to, they to address some of the performance. And I also understand that um, update thirty-seven on the Oculus Link side has caused some issues with blur when using that setup. So I don't know if that was compounded by that. Uh, I'm not quite sure because when I tried it on Index and I tried it using Virtual Desktop, it was a little bit better. So maybe that could have been, but it's still not great. You know, it's still a bit blurry, but maybe it was just compounded so, by the fact so, they had this issue. So um, you're basically saying that Hitman Go was is still a better game. Probably. The first VR probably. game of Hitman. I forgot about that, actually. I forgot <laughs> is, about it, Hitman it's Go. It's the first was, Hitman uh, VR game, yeah, I on forgot the about that. Yeah, so yeah, I was wrong that it was the first time you could you could play Hitman <laughs> in VR. Um, but what what concerns me is that I I wonder if they care enough to address a lot of these issues and work on it more. Yeah, but it's going to cost gonna... a lot of money. That's going to cost like insane but, amount of money. I don't think they're going to do that. That's my then you concern. have to properly put money into it. And I they really thought they could just make a cheap knockoff and just mm -hmm. get away with that. <laughs> and a, a lot of people like uh, threw a bit of shade my way and they were like, you can't compare this to Half-Life Alex, and you can't compare this oh, 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 to, yeah, to yeah, like yeah, games yeah. built from the ground up for VR. And I, 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 I wasn't comparing it. I was just saying that the devs should understand what makes those games great and apply what they can to Hitman VR. And I, I just don't think they've done that. I think they've done the very bare minimum to add. Why can't you compare that? Like, what? Well, like, there is a certain standard. I understand that you can't compare the budget, and you can't compare like maybe the the experience, but you can hold them to a certain standard, no? Like, a but I do, a I do appreciate that, that that adapting a, a flat game to VR is very different different from developing a game from yeah, from VR I, from the you ground know up. My stance on it, I don't, I don't think they should do it at all, but. <laughs> I mean, it, it does bring people in there, of course, but it also leads to a lot of disappointment. Yeah. That's just that's just how it is, and it will always be like that with ports. Yeah. 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 VR is it's, just, it's just that, uh, like, PC VR could have had, like, a great title for once. And uh, as you said before, like, the, the PC VR scene isn't that big, and this these, these are the titles can, that can really kind of, you know, give it some some spark again. And then, like, this, mm -hmm. this studio completely ruins that. By by bringing this out, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a real shame. So yeah, ultimately, um, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't recommend buying it just for the VR mode. I do think it's a fantastic game if you if you plan to play it <laughs> yeah, yeah, flat. Yeah. You know, it's a great game. Yeah. Um, and if you want to experiment with the VR mode, Xbox Game Pass is the way to go without spending too much money. Um, did, you, did you have uh, any input on that still, uh, Lemming? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that. A lot of this comes from the fact that, you know, it's a port. So obviously they're working with the constraints of trying to figure out how to adapt, you know, the flat screen game to VR, right? And like yep. you said, things like, you know, I'm sure that when it came to like grip holding the object, they're like, okay, you're holding the object. And then they have to figure out how to not make it so that you accidentally stab everybody you come near. Because in the flat screen game, right? Like if you're just walking near somebody and you don't press the stab button, you know, he's not just going to turn around and get someone in the neck. 
So they think, okay, well, we'll make it so you have to press in the trigger and that will mean you're intentionally trying to stab somebody. But then you have the disconnect where if you stab someone and you're actually stabbing them without pressing the button, it doesn't happen. So, I mean, I think that just comes down to the fact that ports, I don't think are generally a great thing to put in VR. I think, I think VR is such a new medium that it requires building things for that medium and you can't just straight adapt it. You know, like if you're making a movie about Lord of the Rings, you can't just have a guy sitting on a chair, like reading the book to you, right? Like that would be a, that would be a port of the book, right? Uh, and it would be a terrible movie. Um, but if you, if you adapt it for the medium and you really understand what makes film different than a book, then it can be great. So I think it's the same thing with, with, with games is that I don't think you can just kind of port a flat screen game and get something great. And it sucks because like, you know, the larger devs are the only ones who can really invest the time and resources into doing these things. But they also don't have the understanding of VR. So now it just looks radioactive, right? They're like, other studios are looking at it and like, wow, look at all the time. They tried so hard and everybody hated it. It must be the VR fans who are crazy and not worth dealing with, right? And I think there's a little bit of truth of that in the sense that I think people are too quick to kind of like judge the people working on the games, you know? But I also Mm. think that the problem is really, you know, the people at the top who say like, VR is the new fad. And everybody likes VR, so we'll make VR and that'll make us a ton of money. With no understanding of what they're really asking their their workers to do. And then people mm-hmm. are stuck in this position where they're like, I'm sure the people who worked on the game did their absolute best, right? And, oh, and, yeah. You know, like the QA guys weren't like, wow, this is great. Everybody's going to love it. Um, but they had to put it out. So, you know, I'm, I'm sympathetic yeah. to the position they're in, but I just don't think it's a... It's a and that makes me a little concerned, like Sony's talked about how, or I don't know if they've talked about directly, but I understand a lot of their strategy around PSVR 2 is going to be enhancements, you know, like right. these games will have an enhancement that will have VR yeah. in some capacity. And that that concerns me. I, I think fundamentally you can't have the same game in flat screen and VR and have it be great for both. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. And I think the other thing is, you know, there's so many really experienced VR developers out there now that, you know, if you have the budget like you do for a, a huge game like this, you know, like to get them on board to to <laughs> consult for the game and really give you some insight into their experience and what they found works well in VR and translate that over, it just would have benefited them greatly. But like you say, I, I don't think, um, you know, they felt that way. They wanted to maybe do the best they could, but they didn't they didn't really think about what was important for a VR player and it was more like a kind of an afterthought for this is like a something we can add to this game to add maybe a bit more marketing hype maybe i, I, I don't know uh, but ultimately you know what we got out of it didn't land well and you know obviously a lot of the vr community are upset about this one so you know unless they update it which like i said i think is unlikely then this is just another one that goes on the pile of uh, unsuccessful vr games unfortunately yeah so yeah, that is um, Hitman 3 VR, a bit of a disappointment to start the year off, but we have got some cool stuff coming up, uh, which Nathie's going to share with us later on in the show. Uh, and another thing that's super exciting uh, is PSVR 2. So maybe we should de- uh, dive into that a little bit, because this was kind of surprising, right? Because CES was happening in Las Vegas. Uh, a lot of us uh, you know, really wanted to go, but obviously with everything going on with Omicron and everything else, it was kind of really difficult for us Europeans to travel over there and get involved. So uh, that was kind of off the cards. But um, unexpectedly, uh, whilst uh, at CES, uh, Sony kind of unveiled the specs of their new PSVR headset along with their new Sense controllers. Um, 
and they officially called it as well PSVR2 uh, and Sense Controllers. They're the actual official names for these uh, items, which is kind of cool. Um, we don't know when it's actually going to drop yet, and we don't know what the headset actually looks like, but they did share some specs, which was kind of cool, right? Uh, some of these specs had kind of been floating around for a little while because some of this stuff got leaked. Um, but, you know, with leaks, you kind of have to take it with a pinch of salt. You don't know whether it's going to fully work out or not. So we never really talked about the leaks, I don't think, uh, in, in major detail. Uh, but obviously, we've got the full specs here now. So uh, let me kind of list some of this stuff off and we can talk about some of this stuff individually. So uh, straight off the bat, the PSVR 2 headset will have a single OLED uh, panel which uh, Sony State will offer HDR visuals at a resolution of 2,000 by 2,040 pixels per eye. Uh, this is at 110 degrees field of view, running at 90 hertz or up to 120 hertz. Um, so yeah, this is pretty cool resolution. Like This is on par with some of the high-end PC VR headsets we've seen on the market, like the HP Reverb G2. Uh, it's, I, I, I mistakenly said it was twice the resolution of the original PSVR in my video, but it's actually more like four times the resolution of the original <laughs> PSVR. So uh, yeah, it's just my maths suck. So it's, it's like it's that. like like comparing a, a rock that we once called a VR headset to an actual VR headset. Yeah, or something. It, it is. It is. It is. Um, so yeah, pretty cool uh, resolution uh, there in the display. Super high. Yeah. Uh, also uh, OLED. It's going to be super nice with the contrast levels and HDR visuals. You know, sounds super nice. So pretty happy with the specs in terms of what this headset is going to be rocking in terms of panels. Uh, obviously, the move is going to be to uh, inside-out tracking, uh, like we mentioned earlier when we were talking about Hitman. Um, the original PSVR really sort of was lacking in terms of tech. Even when the, even when that headset initially launched, it, it was using dated technology with the move controllers and the light tracking technology. Um, mm. So now the PSVR 2 is going to be moving from that to full inside-out tracking, uh, like we have with the Quest 2. So that's really, really great. Um, it's going to have cameras on the outside, just like the Quest 2 does, but we don't know exactly the locations. We know it's four on the outside. Uh, I think it's uh, two on the inside uh, for, for eye tracking. Um, so, yeah, we, maybe we should talk about eye tracking because this is uh, something that's unique with this headset. One of the probably the first consumer VR headsets that we've we've known about that's coming to the market with eye tracking built into it. We've had some kind of like business consumer hybrid headset like Vario. Um, you know, you can buy it as a consumer, but it's really a business headset. Same with like kind of the HP Reverb Omnicept Edition has eye yeah. tracking in it, but it's kind of more business. Uh, yeah. Vive Pro Eye as well, same same deal. Um, but this is like a full consumer VR headset that has eye tracking in it, which is going to be interesting. This is obviously going to allow more um, social expression in VR multiplayer games. So, you know, you're going to be able to see Avatar's eyes moving around in real time with the user. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how else they they utilize this, whether they use it yeah. as an input mechanic in some games, maybe. Yeah, yeah, in in single player stuff, like you know, the the one thing that I think they're going to use is, like, I've, I've like everyone had this moment, like I had this in Edge of Nowhere. So I play Edge of Nowhere for like eight hours, right? And I finish this game, and at the end, there is a scene. If you don't look to the right, you miss the ending of the game, and you can't replay it. So I look to the left, right? So with eye tracking, it can be like, okay, so I see where this person is looking now and I have to, or they direct you with sound so they know you're looking the wrong, or they trigger the event until you look at it. And I think that's one of the things that, that they could really use in their favor because people constantly miss out things in VR. Like I've, I've had, like I demoed people. It's like, no, 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 you need to look to the left and then they go to the right. 
So if eye tracking solves that problem of me not having to say it, then they're going to have a better experience, a more immersive experience. Or maybe yeah. you should just learn what is left and what is right, Nathy. Well, I, I mean, telling people what left or right is in VR, like they have no idea anymore. But that's one of the things. Also, single player, where like if you play Blood and Truth, where there are characters in front of you, if, if you look a certain way or you close your eyes or something and they react to it, or you look at something else, like, why are you not looking at me? Yeah. And they suddenly get angry or something. Then you, you know what I mean? So I think they can really... Like, yeah, we just haven't seen eye tracking being used in an actual game before. It just it just makes me think that, um, like, VR horror games are just going to be ne next level. Because, like, you know, you look, the, the cupboard's in the background, you know, you, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. you don't look at it. The second you look at it, something bursts out of you. Yeah, that's going to yeah, be Yeah, well, like, end endless horrendous. possibilities for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, go on, Karistol, I cut you off there, sorry. Yeah, dude. I was going to say, you know, think about alien isolation, you know, you... <laughs> The, the, it comes up to you and you close your eyes and it just chills until you open your eyes and then it jumps you, you know, just <laughs> yeah. 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 like you, you can't hide from VR horror anymore. If you close your eyes, they're going to wait until you open them again. That, that's a really great example. Um, but what's, what's not really clear right now is whether the PSVR two will utilize the, the eye tracking for uh, full dynamic foveated rendering. We've talked about this on the show many times before yeah. it's, it's tech that's found in some of the higher end headsets like the Vario that I mentioned, uh, or it will stick to traditional fixed foveated rendering like the quest 2 for example um although they, they kind of likely though right well no. we don't know they they, they put the two, they didn't actually put the two words together in the spec sheet but they put, don't, they don't put you the think that if they if they would have it that they, they would say oh we have you know dynamic foveated rendering I, I don't know maybe maybe but the fact that they split them the, off makes me think that it yeah. might be just fixed so um, the, the, the chance like there is a chance it could be both because in the end like this headset the specs need to be future-proof. This headset is going to be played with for four or five years. Well, yeah. with the Quest 2, hey, spoiler alert, everyone. Maybe at the end of the year, Quest 3 is, and you can, like, throw away your Quest 2 again because the, <laughs> the updates suck. So, like, you know, like, th this this headset has to have a life cycle of at least four or five years. Yeah. So like they say, need it, it, to make it extremely future-proof, like a little bit OP almost. Yeah. Because in, in a year from now, we're like, I track that's kind of old school. You know, and there's yeah. something else again. Nose tracking or something. I don't know. Like, a... like, like you say, it could, it could evolve over time. Yeah. But yeah, we're so just there not, is a chance, but it's just not clear seems, right now. Yeah, it sounds it unlikely, but I don't um, know. but one one thing uh, that feature that I think is super interesting is headset feedback. Again, oh, another yeah. another another feature we've not really uh, seen before in a consumer headset, and and some of us have experienced this with like uh, the B haptics. You know, they, oh. they've got like a facial interface that you can replace instead of the standard foam and you can then feel like uh, headshots and mm. stuff like in games like half-life alex and it's actually um surprisingly it's surprisingly like uh impactful to feel that like a punch or a, a headshot the problem was that with the way that b haptics in, in, implemented it it was very uncomfortable because the the sensors kind of dug into your head obviously i, I assume Forehead, they're gonna, right? yeah. yeah they're gonna have a better way of uh implementing it's it. on the side as well because they like in the like in the blog post of playstation they said you can feel like something fly by or you can feel like when you start a car you can feel it speeding up right. so i feel like then it's then it's more logical to have it on the sides Quite possibly, and not yeah. necessarily in front of your face. Mm. I don't know to kind of make that, yeah, the sense of you know. Movement. But obviously, with the, with the PS5, they've got some real next level haptics in that controller, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they implement maybe, that in the headset. Maybe, maybe the haptics are so strong that that it just like like flies off your head. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go, Karistol. That's like a future dev problem for you. Like, yeah. you know, the yeah. gorillas want to feel like when another gorilla oh, yeah. is punching them in the head. 
I mean, that would um, honestly be great. Like, you know, have the tags happen right now. It's just in your hands. But having that feeling, I, I think that would be pretty cool. And, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe this is more leaning towards speculation as well. But I know at various points there's been research about, you know, reducing motion sickness with, with vibrating, you know, parts of your head or something. You know, who knows yeah. what kind of research they've been doing. N- nice little head massage. Yeah. I mean, that could definitely be interesting. Maybe there's a way I'm, to I'm say. down for some of that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Um, so yeah, headset, uh, haptics, eye tracking, pretty cool stuff so far. Um, one thing that kind of divided the community, <laughs> sparked like so much discussion, it seemed like to be the thing that everyone was laser focused on and that is the cable. So they, they, oh they came God. out and said, oh God. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah. connect to the PS5, um, at the front of the console, there's a USB-C port. It's going to be a single cable from the headset straight to the USB-C port at the front. No more big, huge breakout box like the original PSVR. But still, like a lot of people, super upset with it. They're like, "Yeah, you know, like if it's unless it's tetherless, yeah, I'm the, not interested the, anymore." The, yeah, but the people, the people who complain about this are Quest Two users who are a little bit concerned that this platform might have like cooler experiences soon. That's that's my kind of <sighs> like view on this. Yeah, yeah, because the PlayStation users were all like, "I'm I'm so excited, can't wait," and no one no one said much about the cable. So yeah. I think it's a it's a different audience. I, I think you know? that there's the trade-off there, right? You, you know, Quest Two uh, played wirelessly with a PC is is like the the gold standard experience, right? You get the best of both worlds. You're yeah. you're free uh, to move around your play space, but you get to play something like Half Life Alex. This obviously, you know, if if they were going to make it wireless, they would have to add batteries. Uh, then you've got heat issues. Then you've got weight issues. Uh, it would be way more expensive. And I think it. it to get the best possible experience straight out the box with the the least amount of friction is this is the best way to do it you you just connect the cable to the to the console it recognizes the headsets there yeah it works straight away like and, and then people people who never bought a vr headset before who will buy the psvr2 as their first headset no playstation as a home entertainment system yeah. Like most PlayStations are next to the TV and it never really moves. Well, back back in the days, you know, you could mod your PlayStation with like a screen in it. You could play in your car if you were like a real, you know, addicted gamer. But overall, most people had it in their living room or a dedicated space. Well, Quest is like, yeah. you know, people can play wherever they want because that's how it's marketed. So, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I don't see the cable as a problem. But hey, uh, yeah, yeah, you're you're a boomer. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I just understand yeah, like the platform. It, it opens up like different possibilities. Oh, to me, like uh, I think that there, if there's like some small, uh, small scale or, or very smart models that are around who might get this working again on a PC, wouldn't that be interesting? Well, that's that was one of my predictions actually. Uh, you know, with a, U- a single USB-C cable, someone's going to make yeah. it happen. Whether whether Sony support it officially or the modding community does it, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think in my mind. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see how that not only affects like the, the overall VR market, but also the PC VR market as well. But yeah, yeah. great point there, Rowdy. Um, but yeah, I, I, personally, I don't have a problem with the cable. If the trade-off is that I get to play a super high-end VR experience uh, without having to worry about PC and it's on console, you know, yeah. I, I'm happy to accept that that trade-off. But you never know Just later on down the like line. Man in VR on the PSVR. You never know, like years down the line, you might get a third party like, you know, TP cast we saw before, like uh, we're making like wireless uh, adapters for VR headsets, like the original yeah. Rift mm-hmm. before like uh, Vive 
did their own official version. So you never know. We might see uh, a product again, like that in Again, the it's because us VR nuts want this, but like a consumer is going to go to the store. They see a Quest. They see a PlayStation. There are two TV screens playing a trailer. They see uh, Resident Evil Village and they see, see uh, Resident Evil 4 VR and they get, they get the PlayStation uh, VR too. There you go. Uh, so moving on from Cablegate <laughs> onto <laughs> Cablegate <laughs> onto the controllers, um, because obviously now we've got full uh, sixed off inside out tracked motion controllers. The other great thing is that they're bundled with every headset now. So you know, whereas before with PSVR we had this kind of fractured market where some people had move controllers, some people had a DualShock, some people had an aim controller. It was a real mishmash. So uh, now everyone's going to have the same controllers, going to make it easier for developers to make sure their games work with it, with every uh, headset there. And also like porting games from, from, from platforms like Quest that have a similar controller button layout is also going to be easier as well. And they're going to have these like adaptive triggers in the controllers that we've seen on the, on the, uh, what was it called? The uh, DualSense controller. Yeah. So, you know, you, so developers can implement varying levels of um, uh, resistance uh, based on the uh, action in game uh, on the trigger itself and it sounds very gimmicky but if, if you've played a ps5 you'll know that it's it's legit actually it's it feels super nice it feels yeah. very natural and it's a great way of giving players feedback as well like in a nuanced way you know worked think, really well in a like a astro's playroom and returnal i think that's something like that you know I think that's kind of like what uh, Valve was kind of hinting at with like the index controllers. You know, they they had in their example things like you know you you want to squeeze something and you can see how hard you squeeze it, but without the controller like pushing against you, you know you you won't necessarily know where that threshold is. Say, so I can right. imagine like that the adaptive trigger, you know, something like being able to feel right up to the breaking point and then having it give that kind of thing. I, I think that'll be super cool. I th I think that's. The thing that I am most excited about from the entire, you know, PSVR two thing is is the the better haptics. Nice, nice. They do need to like really like make like strong controllers because people are gonna press those things like no tomorrow. I've yeah. seen like people even on like the PlayStation VR two like gamepad on the controller itself. There have been people who actually were able to push through the system and destroy their triggers. <laughs> Imagine being in VR, being even like, you're immersive twice as much, so you're also gonna press the buttons <laughs> twice as hard. What's that, Hitman? It's so, like, wow, it feels like this guy's neck is really breaking. It's, oh, <laughs> the controller is breaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the controller breaking. Oh, the, the, I, I can hear his pop. neck snap, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my triggers. Um, yeah. So these controllers, uh, they don't have swappable batteries. Uh, they've got internal rechargeable batteries uh, with USB-C ports at the bottom, so you have to charge them. Um, yeah, but that's one of those things. I prefer swapping batteries over, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, that's about it in terms of hardware. The other thing that they showed off at the event was um, the, the first game that they've officially announced for the PSVR 2, and that is uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain. Um, they say it's... An is it a game? They say experience a lot. They don't actually showcase. They, they don't. Show, they don't say game. They say experience a lot, which does concern me that uh, it's kind of going to be a short experience. You know, like twenty yeah, thirty the, the, minutes. The, like the, the, the like they didn't show much gameplay, so it's hard to predict what's going to be. But if they show someone only sitting in a boat, then I'm starting to think it's a showcase. But isn't, if isn't more... that the same as what what Lemming brought up earlier? That this is going to be like a full. 
PS5 game and there's going to be like some VR like tagged onto it where you well, can like experience the boat ride or experience this seat in VR or something like that. Well, it, it, I don't think it's uh, part of the uh, Horizon Forbidden West game. It's So it is separate, but we just, we think it might be an experience rather than a fully fledged yeah, you're game. Not, you're not playing game. as, uh, um, I forgot a name for Alloy. a second. Alloy, yeah. So it's, a, but um, I mean, even if it would be an, a showcase, I wouldn't mind so much because let's say if this comes pre-installed on the console, it's not bad at all. And if it's like the London heist, like I remember playing a lot, that was epic. Yeah. AF. And that was also an experience where at one point I was sitting in a car, then I was sitting at a bar. I mean, if you're sitting in a boat and then the next moment you're shooting a bow and you're just seated because people forget that PlayStation VR 2 is also about seated. Like Quest, there's barely any game that is seated. Uh, well, a lot of the games are also designed for seated uh, VR players. So yeah. Yeah, that might also play uh, a role here. And it's funny you mentioned about like games installed on the console. And uh, I kind of thought that this would be a really smart way to do it. Obviously, Astro's Playroom is pre-installed on every PS5. So if yeah. you connect a PSVR 2 headset, to have that game then be adapted to play in yeah. VR, because obviously we know that Astro... Yeah it was a VR game. Like Astrobot Rescue Mission True. was a VR game on PS1 and it was amazing. You know, it was a fantastic well, maybe, game. Um, so I would, I would love that. Along. I would love yeah. that if they adapted it to VR uh, for PSVR 2. I think that would be amazing. Um, yeah. Obviously, in terms of other games, uh, there we've, we've kind of got games that are probably likely to get VR modes. And, you know, although we've talked about VR modes with Hitman being pretty poor, hopefully this is a different story, but we've got like games like Gran Turismo that would really work well with a VR mode, you know, being in the cockpit. If you had a, a racing wheel set up, you know, I think that would be an incredibly immersive but experience. Our, the thing is, our, because PlayStation has said we're going to focus more on hybrid. So we're going to yeah. ask uh, like AAA studios or indies to consider VR support and they might hand over some tools as well to do that. And then you have ports. Like are ports the same as hybrids? Well, is, that the, is that just a different term, or is well, that well, I think like, like it, uh, Resident Evil Four VR is a port? It's the same thing. It, well, the, well, well, I don't know. I, like, I, I don't, don't know think what so. they. When I hear that hybrid thing, then it's more like, for example, but uh, then Hitman the, Three could be considered as a hybrid. Then, well, it's yeah. a no, VR I, viewer. I, I, it's kind of like Four <laughs> X style VR. To, to me, that's more like there's like a single mission in there that will also be VR. That's that's how okay. it, how it sounds like to me. Separate, from or there's going to be. Yeah, like for right, example, separate content. but separate content. Yeah, but like right. you can like extra download that, or like uh, there's like a, a certain cutscene that you can also experience in VR, or like you know there's like VR elements that you can, but you don't need to. Almost like the um, like in Battlefield. Yeah, remember That's the, that, that was what I was looking for. Battlefield. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Battlefield. so Battlefield, if you're not familiar with it, um, it had like a VR mode. Uh, where you can actually fly battle, an X-Wing. Battlefront, right? Not ba Battlefield. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Battlefield, sorry. you don't fly X-Wing. <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah. Star Wars Battlefront had yeah, a yeah. VR mode, which was actually excellent, by the way. It was like the precursor to Star yeah, Wars yeah. Squadrons. You actually got to sit in the cockpit of a, an X-Wing, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and the same with actually Call of Duty. Call of Duty Advanced, what was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Advanced uh, Warfare. Infinite Warfare. Infinite, Infinite Warfare, I think. Infinite yeah, Warfare. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. I don't know if it's true, but that's what I understand when I hear hybrid. That it's going to be nah. probably a full game, uh, and then because that's still where their where their money is and where their where their I, I, major I share market is. What I think it is is like you they build in like you press a button on the controller and it switches to VR. Yeah, and it's more of a viewer. It's like a portal into a game. So you're in the world, 
And it's kind of what you said with Hitman, where it, it's it's VR, but it's kind of meeting in the middle. But it's not, you know, yeah, it's hard to explain. I, I feel like this is a genre that 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 will will soon have as a new thing. But I, I just don't know how to describe it. It's not completely VR. You know what I mean? Isn't but I think that's a concern, right? Resident Evil Seven. Is that a, is that a concern? I don't know. Well, yeah, like Resident it's Evil Seven, VR, like you then. say, it's just a bigger it, screen. It, yeah, I, I don't know. Like with, with Resident Evil Seven wasn't a concern. People enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, uh, but, but I don't and now we have motion game. controllers. But that's if they 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 do it properly mm-hmm. and they implement the the motion controllers properly and they yeah. spend the time on the on, on the VR side of things. That's the big difference. And I think you know, having seen what they did with Hitman Three, it does raise some concerns for me about. Yeah, are they going to be, you know. Uh, is is uh, is the the uh, the main motivation going to be to make sure that the VR mode is good, or is it going to be the flat game yeah, 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 is going to yeah. sell way more? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, because so, Sony Sony should not only push the agenda of hybrid, but also have a certain standard before it goes out there. And I'll be like, okay, everything needs to be VR, and then it's going to sell. And that's that's what gives me some confidence because Sony have always been really good about making sure they deliver quality experiences on their platform, and also their QA for VR has also been really strict from all the devs that we've spoken to previously so there is some hope that you know these these hybrid vr modes or ports whatever you want to call them uh will be good but yeah you know like gran turismo is is probably likely uh resident evil village i would be really surprised if they don't because resident evil 7 was like uh one of the 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 first big hits for them and i think it's the the most played vr game on their platform so if they don't do it with resident evil village it would be like a huge missed opportunity in my eyes um yeah. But yeah, and you know, people have been modding it. Like, talk about modders. People have already modding Resident Evil Village, and it already yeah. looks pretty legit. So, yeah. I mean, imagine a full team doing it. Who, who doesn't want to be stamped on by a huge vampire lady like <laughs> me? NBR? Me, I want, I want <laughs> to be stamped by this. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I really think if you kind of look at what they've done, like Astrobot, you know, I wouldn't say yeah. that's necessarily a hybrid, but it's the same kind of thing where it works very well yeah. in like the flat screen game too, and like you said, Resident Evil Seven. So, if I had to guess, I would think that they mean more along the lines of that kind of thing is the hybrid and not the actual full motion controls because it's i think that makes me a bit disappointed though like because that's not the kind of vr stuff that i want to play i don't i don't call that i agree vr games i call that games with a large screen with some limited interaction but it depends like if they if they specifically look at certain games and really handpick what works and what doesn't work for this then i think most people will enjoy it as you said like if you pick certain games and you just go for like this well, like half-baked VR screen, then people might not like it. But with like, yeah, Astrobot, it's like you're in VR and the rest plays in front of you and it works. And yeah. it's the same thing, you know? Well, Astro, so, also because that's a platformer, of course. You can't yeah, do that but, but, Yeah, but it's a genre that, that, yeah, so you need to look at the genre. And so mm-hmm. same with Resident Evil 7. Like you could say there were no motion controllers, but back in those days when it came out, people enjoyed it a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. I also... It was insanely scary in VR. <laughs> yeah. Like getting attacked with it. a knife in VR, like pfft, crazy. Like that was insane. Um, but yeah, so so that's games. We don't really know much, but like I said, Horizon Call of the Mountain is the first officially announced game. Hopefully, over the next few months, we'll get some more information. I think they've got like a um, an event coming up. Uh, PlayStation Play. What is it yeah. called? Play. Yeah, I think yeah. they've got like one coming up that has been hinted February. at that we might see more. So fingers yeah. crossed. Um, obviously, we don't know when this is going to come out yet or how much it's going to cost. Um, another concern I've seen from the community is the fact that PS5s are still very difficult to get hold of. That's yeah. still the case now, which, you know, I think is a legitimate concern from the community. I, you know, I, yeah, I feel because, for them. Because 
chipset prompts do they affect this headset in particular because the headset is connected to the playstation so does it need i mean i'm i don't make uh, <laughs> anything in terms of like chip stuff but i mean does it run on I, I, I don't think it's the headset that will be the problem. I think it's the console supply that yeah, will still console, be the problem. Yeah. Um, because, like, the scalping market is just ridiculous, you know? But what if they... What if... Because they we we know, or at least those are the rumors, that they already started production of these headsets. Mm. What if they just first go for a more low bar of, like, we make, like, four or 500k of those headsets? And that's where we kind of... And then we sell and we see how it goes. Because if they make too much... You can't even catch up with your own console. So I think they're going to go for maybe a lower bar and not, not because VR, let's be honest, is not going to they're not going to sell a million headsets in in in, in a week, you what, know? Like, what I, what I hope they do is which they've started to do recently is that you can order um consoles through their website but you need to like uh, sign in with yeah. your um your like PlayStation ID so you're not like just buying like five consoles and then flipping them on eBay you're buying yeah. one so I, I would imagine they'll probably have a similar approach to the headset so they don't see the same thing happen again is that you'll have to log in with your PlayStation account and order directly from them maybe um, yeah but, but you we'll have see. to balance what I'm saying you have to balance out like selling something that is sellable and then something that isn't really Sell, sellable right now so you're yeah. gonna have to because otherwise the whole ecosystem is in disbalance and then some people have a headset but they don't have the <laughs> the, the console you know what i mean true true uh but you know either way uh, i think it's super exciting i think yeah, you know we've been exciting. waiting for this this news oh, for a long long time we've been talking about it on the show for a long long time so to get the official specs was super nice and sort of getting the the, the feel that developers out yeah. there have got these in their hands and they're starting to work with them is also really exciting so yeah don't it's going to be they interesting to see what happens this? They, they postponed this a couple of times to announce this i think they were already planning to maybe like release this a year or two years ago but that, that means that developers have more time to kind of properly finish things off. Hope so. Know? I hope so, yeah. Because, you know, maybe the, 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 the console Because the shortage... timing is kind of bad to launch a headset now, let's be honest, in well, the times I, we're living in. I think it's a good time. No, not with, like, consoles not... No, 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 but I, I, for, for the VR yeah, industry, yeah, no, I think I know. it's a good time, you know, because, yeah, know, like, we desperately want competition, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 true, true, true. But I'm saying, like, they, they do have a problem here. Yeah. They had to kind of force themselves into launching it now, or at least uh, announcing it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, you're right. It's great. Part of what's interesting is that I think that, in a lot of ways, they're kind of, like, more similar to the PC VR market, right? Like, I think that if you're thinking about like, okay, well, I need to get a new video card to play VR on, you probably have a better chance of getting a, a PlayStation 5, you know, than than like a 3080 or something, right? Because you're going to be paying like $2,000 for that. Like, totally, so, totally. Yeah. And, and talking was, about PS... Sorry, go on. I was going to say like rumors about like Alex, you know? That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Alex, uh, you know, that's been floating around for a while, you know, that, that kind of rumor that Alex will be uh, a title on PSVR 2. And, and that would be so, so smart on both Sony and Valve, you know, side. Because, you know, what you got to understand is that Valve has released Half-Life on consoles before with the orange box, uh, you know, historically. And also just recently, Sony and Valve have kind of been working together because you've got playstation exclusive titles now being released on steam we just had god of war released on steam last week so the relationship is there and it could be going two ways but we just haven't seen the other side of it yet so yeah and kind of have to as well yeah like the the market position of uh, of 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 meta uh, i think it's smart if those two companies kind of like team up and uh, bundle the strength in order to to fight another giant totally Uh, yeah 
Totally yeah, and and they're a huge like supporter of open open VR, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, have like everything available everywhere. Just think you're going to be able to feel the head crab on your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jumpski hugging you. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, enough uh, getting hyped about PSVR 2 because we don't know when it's going to happen. It could be months and months and months away, but uh, I'm excited. Or we're, get, or we're getting too hyped. That's also uh, an option. Could, could get too hyped, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, it's just great yeah, for the VR yeah, industry. Yeah. Another big player in the space is good for everyone. What do they say? Well, these rising tides lifts all boats. So, you know, regardless of whether you're a dedicated <laughs> Quest fan, I think this is great for everyone. So, get over it. <laughs> just, uh, just stay on board. Yeah, yeah. Don't jump um, off yet. Okay, so now I think it's time to uh, talk about our second sponsor of the show. We should thank them before we move on to releases this week. Um, so our second sponsor of the show is Winlands 2 from SciTech Games. Uh, if you're not familiar with Winlands 2, it's an absolutely gorgeous co-op adventure game where you get to swing through the Winlands using a set of grappling hooks and you can take down these enemies using your trusty bow and arrow. The swinging in this game, we say it every time, it's phenomenal. You know, you should just play it for the swinging. That momentum and the feeling of like, you know, just breezing through the environment is just so, so nice. Uh, and playing it with friends is even better. So that's a, a reason in, in itself to play. Uh, it's been out on PC for a while, but Winlands 2 has just released on PSVR via the PlayStation Store. Or you can grab the physical version, which is just released in conjunction with Perp Games. Fingers crossed we get a port of this on PSVR 2 in the future or it you know, gets updated to take advantage of the new motion controls. Um, but if you want to catch up with the story, uh, not like that you have to really with P with Winlands 2. Um, the original Winlands is also available uh, on Quest, PC and PSVR. The sequel Winlands 2 is only available on PC and PSVR mm -hmm. right now. No Quest version yet, but fingers crossed for the future. Uh, we've added links to all the Winlands games on all platforms in the description down below. So, uh, yeah, thanks to Cytec Games oh, yeah. for sponsoring the show. It comes with the free ZimTalk 5 Temple DLC. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point, actually. I don't know if we've mentioned that on previous ad spots. But <laughs> what we're, is Temple, we're, you mean? No, the fact that we're all in this game. Yeah, yeah. but Zim has a temple. Um, Zim is a temple. We have just a picture. He has a freaking upset. temple. <laughs> I think the F Reality 4 way of yeah. us is in the game as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 it is. Okay. But we don't have a shrine. You know, only Zim gets Zim. a shrine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim. Yeah. Jim Barnaby. Jim Barnaby shrine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thanks to SciTech Games. Um, but now it's time for uh, releases. So we're going to hand this over to Nathy. He's got uh, some picks for games that are yeah. coming out over the next couple of weeks that we should be excited about. And there is actually one that I'm really excited about. So take it away. Yeah, it's just a handful. I'm going to keep it short. Okay. As uh, we're heading into three hours podcast now, sure. <laughs> as people predicted, um, so uh, let's uh, let's first of all kick things off with Wanderer. Now, this is a very good-looking game. Has been like servicing for a while now. Uh, again, high expectations. So let's hope this is going to make the PC VR crowd, you know, satisfied. Also, the PlayStation VR crowd, by the way, because it's coming to both platforms. Now, um, I don't want to, like, because the thing is, like, uh, same with trailers nowadays. I feel like reading descriptions on Steam and everything kind of gives away games too now. So I don't want to say too much. I want to kind of keep it a mystery. But what it comes down to is, so you have your grandfather and he has an apartment and he's like this explorer, kind of like this Indiana Jones kind of type. And he has this, uh, like, wrist watch, some kind of mysterious wrist watch that, that is a... Well, time traveling device and from there you're gonna start time traveling through different moments well in time but mostly the famous ones 
So basically you go from, let's say, uh, like 1900s to like 1600s and every world has its own like theming and different puzzles. So you constantly jump around and then you, well, get to know more about who your grandfather was, that he also used this watch to travel around. And that's basically what it comes down to. So I don't want to spoiler too much of what this is like because, dude, I haven't even played it. And the description already gives you spoilers. So I think this is very exciting. I think this is super awesome. And it's coming out um, next week yeah. on the 28th of January. So that's like around the corner. Um, but yeah, this is this is just one of those titles. You're like, okay, again, something new, something unique. Um, and I, I think puzzlers in general, if the puzzles are really good, then yeah, you can have a great time. And I think it's a casual one. It's not like hardcore mist where you're gonna get stuck for an hour with your watch in uh, like uh, the Roman Empire or something, some random place. Uh, the the one thing that I saw about this game, an analogy that I thought was really good, was that it's kind of like the VR version of Quantum Leap. And I don't know if I'm showing oh, yeah. my age here, mm. but the the yeah, TV yeah. show yeah, where yeah. you kind of jump, he, he kind of jumped around in different times every episode, uh, kind of reminded me of that a little bit. So. Um, yeah, I'm nice. really looking forward to the Wanderer. It comes out Thursday, right? Um, I think that's on a Friday, actually. Oh, okay. So next week. But for cool creators like you, it might be a day early. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the next one, the next one I have on the list is After Dark, um, and and this is um, like I I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find the the game I can compare it to. But it was Death like by this, daylight. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the title. So it's basically this, but then in VR. So you have four friends who have to escape from the Slayer. And then, um, well, you have to just hide and, like, you know, let's say, throw things around to kind of distract the the, 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 the Slayer itself, the murderer. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is also a player, by the way. So it's not, not like an AI that chases you. Uh, and it's kind of like Gorilla Tag, you know, where like the social aspect, it, it's kind of like playing tag in a kind of violent way. <laughs> is it asynchronous? <laughs> like, is it asynchronous gameplay with the, the PC player I... being the slayer? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, oh, okay. no, it is. And, and, the, um, and, the, and the, from what I understand as well, sorry, sorry, Nathie, is that um, when the, the slayer is nearby as a player, your heartbeat accelerates. So you can feel the heartbeat of the player accelerate when the, when the, the, the killer is nearby. And the killer changes uh, depending on the level. So you could have a, a clown, then you can have a, a, yeah. a ghost entity. <laughs> a then clown, you can, my God. Then you yeah. can have like a, you know, Halloween type, type Mike Myers type character. So yeah, look, <sighs> like, I, I think Mike it looks kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and the objective in this, in this time for now, because I, I feel like it's a, it kind of gives me early access vibes. Mm. Uh, it's kind of, you know, still work in progress. Um, and right now the goal in this game is like you're with four friends and you have to find uh, fuses that you have to activate to trigger a door so you can escape. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you played Alien Isolation and you have to clock in with your <laughs> save game, you're like, oh, my God, why do I need to do it at this point, right? Uh, it's kind of the same thing, but then you have to escape. Um yeah, I think this is funny. I think this is great. I'm surprised this didn't came out around Halloween, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah, it's it's a purely PC game, by the way, um, and it's out now on Steam. I don't know if it's as far as I know, it's not on Quest, no, um, and no. it's also not on PlayStation VR, no. Um, so this is purely for the PC folk uh, out there. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it looks fun. It's kind of scary. I don't know if I would be playing this. I, I was going to say, are you going to play this one? Because you don't like yeah, scary if, if it's with you guys, then it's kind of funny, I think. But it's still going to be scary AF. The thing is, I, I can imagine playing this with Nathan. He's going to be putting on like the killer voices, you know? I can find you! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, that's kind of the funny part where you can play around. And oh yeah, the maps are like different themes. So you have like the, this is my favorite one, like a cornfield. Mm. Oh, like man. a cornfield, right? And you can like hear someone like sneak around. Uh, you also have a prison and some other ones. So, but as I said, like content-wise, there isn't that much to play yet. So yeah, if you want to support them early on, um, then yeah, kind of check this out. Yep. And uh, but yeah, it's a social, you know, violent ass game. Cool. And so that's how I would describe it. Um, and then last but not least, um, I don't have to say that much about this because everyone knows about it. We have been also. Covering this title a couple of times on the on the show, I even think Mike played it. Yep. I'm not completely sure. Maybe yeah, it's been it like, yeah, he did. Um, and that's Zenith. Um, it's um, I think it's like you have to pre again, like we're talking about pre-ordering here. Um, you have to pre-order it to get access to the alpha that starts also on. It wasn't on a front. Let me check. So that's on a Thursday actually. So yep. uh, that's next week Thursday. Um, and then you can play it, you can jump in. It's an MMORPG, so a big open world where you can level up, uh, kill all these animals and stuff. Um, I thought it was. So, I, th- I thought the alpha was a long time ago or the beta was a long time ago. Is this like I, I full release their, now? Or is it, is I checked it their website and it said like, may, as, maybe I'm too, completely wrong here, but I checked their website and it said like, uh, pre-order sold out on the alpha. Hmm. Um, maybe that's an old thing. It, it's, yeah. it says it as um, well it's a on, the, on their trailer. The wait is over on January 27th. Lose yourself in an epic okay. VR MMO for twenty nine ninety nine. Okay, well nice. then it's then it's a full uh, full launch then. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, this is a big uh, thing. People compare it to like Sword Art Online. Um, and I like we. I'm sure you all remember like Nostos, uh, like completely uh, blowing up their own launch. Uh, I think this this one feels more, you know, solid. And the oh, people who have yeah. been playing it, I mean, Community yeah, they're love not it. hiding. They're, uh, you know, it's 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 a, it's a decent game. I, so I remember meeting up with uh, Brad in there. Sadly, it's Bradley, and he like he was just he loves this game. Like he he took us on this like world tour. It was like a it was like a he was like he was like a tour guide. He was giving us his tour of this map. The map was like freaking enormous and it took us forty five minutes. No word of a lie. This little this little tour, and then we ended up in like some like hot pool type thing on a volcano mountain <laughs> it got a little uh, bit weird but like yeah yeah the but this might be the first it. one that actually delivers because we have seen so many companies especially japanese companies try to pull this off um, yeah. but i feel like this is the first one where like okay you can really throw your money at it and and enjoy uh you know this this mmorpg so yeah, that in a nutshell is, is is what I could, you know, I could go like Zim where we're talking about Temple of Pizza 3 and uh, 28 uh, or 26 floors uh, games. No, but we don't need that. I mean, uh, I think we're only going to get sad. Yeah. Um, I think Hitman was already enough uh, for this show. Uh, to, uh, you know. so, so there you go. Those are the releases uh, yeah, yeah. with Zenith being the, I think, the biggest highlight and Wanderer being kind of the... Yeah, the underdog here, I think. Well, yeah. What I really like is about how smooth the... Um, the, the switches look from like different types of magic. It really feels like they're using like uh, some really interesting system in order for doing that. I mean, it looks great in the trailer, so I'd, I mean, I, I have to try it out myself in the game. But uh, the switches look really, really awesome. Yeah, there's some yeah. excitement in the chat about, uh, what is it, uh, After Dark. 
People talking oh, yeah, about sure. uh, wanting to be like Pennywise in VR. It's just yeah, Pennywise. Yeah. Um, oh my god. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking out Wanderer and After the Dock. Uh, but I'll let you know uh, when we're back in a couple of weeks' time what I think of those. Um, so in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, it was a couple of so, weeks. So it sounds like really uh, like long again. Well, it is. It is. Yeah, that's true. But I don't think yeah, we're ready true. to come back weekly again yet. No, 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 <laughs> we can't do that. But but we do. Like it's weird. Like we're kind of in the in the, well, at least I am. Where it's like I kind of want to do it weekly. But then, looking back at it, I don't want to do it weekly. Yeah, you know, when things because when things start ramping up again, I think that'll be PlayStation time. Then, yeah. we'll, we'll probably do weekly again. But for now, just for our yeah. sanity as well, like two weeks sanity, is uh, is, is nice. If, yeah. Um, so yeah, we have rambled on for a bit. Um, so I'll start sort of wrapping up the show. If you've got any burning questions for us or Keristol about Gorilla Tag, now's the time. And I'll just remind everyone of the show times. So uh, just a reminder. The show is live streamed every other Saturday on YouTube and Twitch. Although I don't know if we've been live streaming Twitch just recently. Rowdy? <laughs> I have no idea if that still works. Okay, no, we don't know if Twitch is working. So if you're watching on Twitch, amazing. It works. If not, then it doesn't. Um, it, it goes on and off. Like <laughs> It goes on and off. Obviously, YouTube Beyond is our main platform. So you're, you're, yeah. you're saying this for like like months and months now in your, in your outro of this show. I don't and even now know you're trying to ask questions yeah. about Twitch. I don't even know if it's true. I just say the, it. The funny thing is we stream to Twitch every, we, every time we go we live. We do. We always do. We, we always do, but for some do. reason, Twitch like... Yeah. Yeah, so technically we do. But you can watch it as a VOD or something weird like that. It's no. just that we're live on yeah. there. I don't okay, know if we're live I, now. So technically we are live in a way. You have to use your imagination. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. So we, we, we live stream on, on YouTube for a definite every every other Saturday. It goes live at 7 p.m. in Europe, 6 p.m. in the UK, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, you can also check out the audio version, which is available on iTunes, yeah. SoundCloud, and on Spotify. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, hit the like button. Uh, click subscribe yeah. if you want to, you know, watch our future shows. And uh, Zim is actually in the chat and he's saying it's live on Twitch, which is like amazing. Oh, amazing! So look, Hello, look what happens, Zim. You leave, and now it works. <laughs> yeah, then it works. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, Zim. Just saying. Um, so yeah, thanks again to all our viewers and listeners. We really appreciate yeah. the ongoing support, and also thanks to our amazing sponsors, Resolution Games with Demio and SciTech Games with Winlands Two. Uh-huh. Thank you very much. Um, right. So yeah. Keristol, you got any questions for us? Anything you want to say before we say goodbye? Um, yeah, I guess I just want to say that, you know, I, I think that uh, VR is finally kind of getting its moment. You know, I, I think that everybody has kind of been hyping things up for years, um, but I, it really feels like the momentum is is finally starting to happen. So I'm super excited about the near future. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to be a part of it. Well said, well said. Yeah, so thank you very much, everyone. We're going to say goodbye, so take care of yourselves. Enjoy whatever VR games you're playing over the next couple of weeks, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. So see you later.